Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Amber. And we have for you today a very special Mother's Day episode. Happy Mother's Day, everyone. Happy Mother's Day to all those mothers out there. If you're breathing air right now, you have a mother somewhere. You do, yes. (laughs) Maybe don't forget to uh, wish her a happy Mother's Day if you have a good relationship. Hopefully you do. The reason I chose this case, Amber, for... Mother's Day is because it is a tragic case. There's some serious mental illness. It's the story of three girls who grew up with an absolute batshit crazy mother. Oh, it is a true crime case. There are victims here. It does fit to our podcast. But my source that I used was the main source. I mean, there was some news articles and whatnot, but this wasn't heavily covered, which is another reason why we're covering it. And we are covering it in intimate in-depth detail so get snuggled in you guys this is going to be a long couple of episodes but the reason we're doing this is because it didn't get a whole lot of coverage greg olson is an author who covers true crime Mm -hmm. writes true crime books and he these girls wanted their mom's story told because if it's not well known if it doesn't become well known she could perpetrate again exactly and they want to make that clear all the information that I'm using today comes straight from the girl's mouths about their childhood Mm -hmm. and her husband who is a perpetrator in this situation as well but he agreed to be interviewed for the book that Greg Olson wrote because his girls wanted him to okay he didn't necessarily want to so even though he's a perpetrator I was just gonna say even though he did something Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what yeah he agreed to do this yes the book is called if you tell By Greg Olson. Because of the fact that they want to get the story out there, absolutely still go and buy it. It's a great read, but it is 400 pages, and which is why it's going to be a long episode today. And then we're going to conclude it on Thursday with our second episode that'll also be long. You're getting a lot of content, but I do have to break it up into two episodes just because I want to make sure that I really get all these details mm-hmm. um, out there. And I just don't think that we should do a four hour long podcast <laughs> in one <laughs> that episode. Is, that is a lot. That's a lot. And it's been a lot of time researching and putting all of this together to get all the details. So that's what we're doing today. And it is the story of... Of Michelle, or better known as Shelly Kotek. Okay. We're going to start in Battleground, Washington. That is where Michelle was born. She was actually born Michelle Watson. That's where she was raised. And her parents were Les Watson. Her biological mom was Sharon Todd Watson, but Sharon is not really in the picture a whole lot. Her actual mother that raises her is Les's wife, Laura, but Mm -hmm. that name is not real. It has been changed. It was changed in the book out of respect for her. Okay. We'll hear a lot about them. This won't be as confusing in just a minute. Shelly's dad, Les, was a big deal in town. He was hot and cocky. He owned nursing homes, and he also owned the local bowling alley. Oh, wow. Yes. I had said her mom, Sharon, was not the one who actually really raised her up till the point of when she was six. 
she no longer saw her mom. Sharon had substance abuse issues. She was okay. she really struggled. Her mom left around the age of six. When Actually, I'll I will get to it in just oh, a okay. second. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Shelley's stepmother was Laura. Her name was Laura Stallings Watson, and Les married her kind of under some fake pretenses here. Laura was a teen when they got married. Oh. And Les was actually 10 years older, but told Laura that he was only four years older. Okay. Did he know she was a teen? Yeah. Yeah. He knew her real age. Laura's parents did not approve of Les at this time at all. Can imagine. And Laura knew that Les had three children, but she had not met them. Because they were with their mother, Sharon, at the time that they got married. And literally the day after they got married in 1960, his ex-wife, Sharon, calls and is like, Hey, Les agreed to raise these kids. When are you coming to pick them up? Oh, wow. Yeah. And Laura's like, huh? Come again? And Les had agreed to take the kids off off her hands and raise them and did not include Laura in that. Oh, wow. At all. So he got the marriage done first. He did. Yep, and, and then he's like, was you're like, gonna take care of these kids. Correct. Sneaky Laura, and dirty. And, and Laura's a teen, and she's a very nice woman. Mm-hmm. So of course she's like, okay, I guess we're raising. We're gonna go pick these kids up. The, the children's name were Shelley, who was six at the time, Chuck, who was three, and then Sharon actually kept Paul because he was an infant. Okay. So this all happened very quickly. Like he is with Sharon. Knocking her up, mm-hmm. and then now they're no. Then they're no longer together. He meets Laura and marries her really quick because this man moves fast. He does because what Laura noticed right away is that Shelley spoke every word for Chuck, who's three, and controlled his every move. And Shelley was like literally a demon child. Oh wow! Right from the get go, every day Shelley told Laura how much she hated her. I mean, and this is a six-year-old mm-hmm. at this point in time. Well, Sharon ended up abandoning the kids. She never sent a birthday card. She never came to see them, didn't call them, nothing. So she literally was like, hey, come get these kids. And then she was... Peaced out. Completely she still out. had Paul, but she peaced out. Mm-hmm. Wow, that is so... That, that had to have been very damaging oh, to the, yeah, the kids. Yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, here they are, six and three. Mm-hmm. And, and now they're abandoned by their mom and thrown in with this stepmom that even though she's nice, like they don't know her. They don't. Right. Mm -hmm. And Les has his busy businesses. So he's working all the time and she's just at home trying to raise these kids. Bless her because he tricked her into this situation. Oh my gosh. That would have been really difficult. I know. I give her serious props because me too. And this is the sixties and it was a rough time for women, but still in 1967. So this is seven years after the kids come to live with them, and Shelly's now 13. Sharon was actually murdered in a hotel room. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. So now Paul needs picked up because Paul has been with Sharon this whole time. Wow. And he's okay. just a little boy. Les actually didn't want Paul, didn't want to go pick him up, and Laura was the one that insisted, like, no, we've got to go get your son. Sharon's dead. And they needed somebody to identify Sharon's body. Oh so gosh. Les did that because Sharon's family had wrote her off at this point. Poor Paul. I can't imagine what he went through. It was, Yes, and we will get to that in just a minute of how that had an effect on him. Sharon's mother actually, actually refused to take the remains or have a funeral at all. There's like almost no photos of her. They did not condone her lifestyle. She was like homeless, drug addict, living 
Wow. So even prostitution, yeah, we're not gonna do anything. Yes. Yep. (laughs) Laura recalled that when she told Shelly, when they told her the news, she didn't hardly react at all. She never asked about her mom. Never didn't. It did not concern her one bit. When they got Paul, he had no social skills and no impulse control. He carried a switchblade. He'd been living on the streets. Oh my god! And so he was like in survival mode. Oh, you know, he was he was just much different. And was he, oh sorry, go ahead. Was he with his mom when she died? I don't know. It doesn't go into details about that. I would have to believe that he probably found her. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I it it doesn't give a lot of details about her. Poor Sharon's life was really not well documented at all. It's like once she left and she was out. chose, you know. She made her ends meet by sex work and yeah. was addicted to drugs and lived like this biker lifestyle. That's okay. how um, Paul describes it like later as he gets older is that he kind of him and somebody else that comes into play here is just this like biker. It sounds like they were pretty transient. So maybe yeah. there wasn't a lot of documentation yes, from anybody. Yeah, exactly. So Les had no time for the kids. Laura was raising them and Shelly was the most difficult even after all of that of Paul coming to live with them and the transition and what he had been through and how he was behaving. Shelly was still the one that was the most difficult. And in the meantime, Laura, Laura and Les had a son and daughter together. So now they've got five, they have five kids. kids. Yeah. And they had a really good life. Like they would go skiing in the winter, boating in the summer. You know, they had more than what most families do. Uh And it did not matter. Shelly hated her family all the time and was defiant all the time. Oh, wow. She was skipping school. She would change. There's this story that Laura recalled where the gas station called her and was like, this is the weirdest thing. But Shelly comes into the gas station every morning, goes into the bathroom and comes out in a different change of clothes. And there's like this pile of clothes just piling up in the bathroom. So Laura went and found them and they were all the nice clothes that Laura had been buying her. And Shelly just didn't want to wear them because Laura bought them for her or whatever. Oh my gosh. And was what discarding she them. She just put in put on like other just old other clothes. clothes. Or yeah. It didn't really say like that they were clothes that Laura didn't approve of or anything like that. Mm. I'm not sure if that's what the dynamic was, but yeah, she was just being a little shit, leaving all of her nice expensive clothes in this piling up in this gas station bathroom. Oh my gosh. And Laura was quoted saying Everything was a big drama for her. Nothing satisfied her. Nothing was ever good enough for her. And I put that quote in there because that is the running theme through the rest of this woman's life. Shelly was jealous of anything that the other siblings got or did. She would take revenge out on her siblings in cruel and sadistic ways. And just to give you one brief incident, she would cut up bits of glass and put them in her siblings' shoes. Oh my gosh. Isn't that wretched? This kid is hardcore. Yeah. So here they are just going to slip their shoes on and there's shards of glass sticking up in it to cut their feet. Wow. It is it was sadistic. I mean, there's no other way Absolutely. to. Absolutely. And what's interesting is that her grandmother, Anna Watson, so this is Les's mother, was also very sadistic. She was literally the definition of a monster-in-law for Laura. She helped run all of those nursing homes. Mm-hmm. As well, that Les was, you know, owned and, and whatnot. It was like a family. Okay. Tr- passed down from the family. So Grandma Anna was very involved in that, which is terrifying to think she was taking care of elderly people. But here's a quote from, from the book. She was, Grandma Anna was tall, 
large with muscled shot put shoulders. <laughs> with, I know, right? With a trace of tendons that ran from her neck into <laughs> into her plain like blue blouse. All I can Don't picture. Don't mess with Grandma Anna. No, you know who she is. She's Mrs. Trunchbull from Matilda. Oh my god! That is all absolutely. I can picture because I think that she even did shot put in the in the movie with Danny DeVito. Like I, I think there's a reference you, to her. You don't want to mess with Grandma Anna. No, no, she's a <laughs> big burly woman. She will. Medea. I picture Medea. Right. Right. Exactly. Medea. Is it Medea? It's Medea. Medea. Yeah. yeah. Where do I get these things? I'll just like make up words. You do. It's kind of comical sometimes. (laughs) Anna was never wrong, ever. Everything had to be done her way. And I'm just setting this up for this is huge foreshadowing for what Shelley does Mm -hmm. later in life. George Watson was Grandma Anna's husband, and he was completely the opposite. He was kind, sweet. He was also four inches shorter. Oh my gosh, this is a very interesting dynamic. Uh Like, what was he going to do? Question Grandma Anna with her strength? Her six foot shot put shoulders? No, no, because he would literally get thrown across the yard. For sure. He tried to challenge her. But he was like a really endearing guy. And I'm just picturing like a little mouse of a fellow just doing all her bidding, you know? And (laughs) this is going to, this is going to get you. Uh, George Watson slept in a shed just outside the kitchen. Oh, Lord. An eight by eight shed. That's where Anna allowed him to sleep. Wow. And another reason why I wanted to cover this case is because we've talked a lot about how dominating men and men, um, abusive men. This is a case where it, yes, and it happens a lot more than you guys realize. It's so Mm underreported, but there are just as many abusive women out there as there are men. Poor George. Yeah, George was for sure an abused man. He had to man. sleep in a little shed. A shed. little shed. Now, Anna had two workers, Mary and Maggie, who she physically abused by punching, hitting them. If they didn't do something as fast as she wanted, they literally got punched by Mrs. Trunchbull shot put shoulder. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm picturing Medea just like punching yeah, just her Going staff. after these two oh sweet... God. This woman mm-hmm. sounds very strong and very terrible. She is. And she's terrifying. Everyone was afraid of her. Like, that was very, very well known. There was one incident in the book that they talked about, and I don't remember if it was Mary or Maggie. They had done, you know, not done something quick enough for her, uh-huh. something. She literally picked one up, put <gasps> her head in the toilet, and kept repeatedly flushing oh, it. My, I'm laughing because like, I'm in shock. what the hell? And so she's just flushing this toilet on this woman's head. This girl who works for her at the nursing home oh. and like around her house and stuff. My God. Yeah. This woman sounds like. So, like a, so this is who is shaping Shelly. Okay. So Grandma Shelly's Anna. like taking notes. Yeah. Shelly, who already has sadistic tendencies, is I, taking note. Wow. I'm just impressed, too, because she's a grandma, and she's, like, beating the crap out of people. Yeah. I'm not impressed. I no, shouldn't right. say it that way. No. I'm, yeah, I'm like she's in shock. scary. Laura actually uh, told another story where she picked Shelly up one day, and Anna had cut all of Shelly's hair off. And it was actually one of her mind games as a way to make a dig at Laura, because she says, 
you won't properly care for her hair, so I cut it off. Well, what the real story is, is that Shelly was such a little shit that anytime Laura came after her with a hairbrush, she would get punched, she'd get kicked, she'd get Mm -hmm. screamed at. She couldn't brush Shelly's hair because Shelly was such a little pissant. And Shelly... So it's not like she didn't try. Right. Oh, no, absolutely. And Shelly would then go to Grandma Anna and claim how, you know, Laura won't brush her hair. And anytime she does, she purposely hurts her and all this stuff. So, well, we'll take care of this problem. Cuts her hair off. Wow. Yeah. Then as Shelly gets a little bit older, she starts working at the nursing home. So she's watching Boy, that's a comforting every pair day. at a nursing home where people are being cared for. Yep. And then things escalate. Just before her 15th birthday, Shelly accuses her father of rape. Oh, no. Of course, like the school handled this situation. She went to a school counselor, was like, my dad raped me. So they called them, let them know Shelly is being taken to the hospital. They're not telling them why. They won't let them see Shelly until the police and social services, as they were called back then, are able to talk to her. Mm -hmm. You're having no contact with her. So they did not know what the heck was going on. Well, then they're just waiting in this hallway and an administrator, somebody comes out and is like, well, she's saying less that you have raped her. And it destroyed her dad. I mean, he's a prominent man in town. And he was like, oh my God, why? Why is she doing this? Why would she do this? And it wasn't surprising to Laura because she's like, listen, she, nothing is good enough for her. She is a snooty brat. She enjoys making chaos. And this is just another way. So Laura actually goes back home and starts snooping through Shelly's room. Under her bed, she found a magazine that right on the front cover, it said, I was raped at 15 by my dad. And it was a story that was in the magazine. Oh, wow. So Shelly actually takes that magazine to like with her to talk to the police and was like look this is where this is coming from this is where she got this idea Les is like what is wrong with her this is really bad you know he's the president of the chamber of commerce for crying out loud right oh my god scandal oh my god scandal chamber of commerce people do you know what a big deal that is and if you are the president of the chamber of commerce in your town and you're yeah, listening like, to you absolutely I mean, no good no job insults. but He is like throwing, like, that's what he's concerned about, his image, you know. For sure. So they do a medical exam. And in the doctor's words, there's nothing wrong with that girl. She is completely intact. She was never touched. There was no evidence, no bruising, nothing. But the doctor did say she needs to see a psychologist right away. Mm -hmm. So so that did not happen. It did not. It was a lie. Oh, no. Her dad did not rape her. It was completely made up for attention. Nope. There was, she still had her hymen, no bruising, no Mm -hmm. indication that any of that had happened. Okay. She later then is, is just like, she never takes accountability at all, but she goes to, well, there was some sort of situation where she was telling her dad, well, you made me do that. Oh. And she's, she's good at that. Some gaslighting. All that's, she invented gaslighting. That's where the definition Mm -hmm. came from. Yep. Nothing was ever her fault. She was only happy if she was getting attention through chaos. So the school weren't the school wouldn't take her back. They're like, "Oh, I'm sorry, you lied about your dad raping you. Yeah, you're not welcome here anymore." Wow. Nope. Other schools. So they're trying to enroll her in other schools. She was such a problem in school, and kids hated her so much. And she was just basically she's 15, so at this point she's such a bitch. Were the other schools like, "We aren't taking that yep, on"? They turned her down. They oh researched her and turned her down too. They're like, "No." So she went to live with her gran- her grandparents, Laura's parents, so that she could attend a school that finally took her. But it was it's quite a distance away. So she lived with the grandparents because they couldn't drive her. Mm-hmm. You know, Laura couldn't drive her back and forth to school. 
Was Laura like, woohoo? Yes. The whole house was. I can't imagine house, how hard that would be. When Shelly's not there, the, the boys did a lot better. The, her siblings did a lot better. It was it was nice when Shelly wasn't there, which... How sad. Yeah, but yeah. Well, it doesn't last long at the grandparents' house because then she accuses Grandpa of touching her too. Oh, gosh. Which, of course, did not happen. So when the school year ended, she went back to Battleground to live with Laura and Les, and her grandparents were like... Sayonara, don't ever come back here. You're not staying with us again. Laura was really stressed at this point in time. She was so volatile and unpredictable, and her meanness would come out of nowhere. One minute, literally, she would be acting like she's doing something nice, mm-hmm. and then she would do something sadistic afterwards. So she would volunteer to help Laura with the dishes. But when Laura discovered she wasn't doing the dishes at all, she was either throwing them away or she was wiping them with a towel and putting them in the uh, off to the side of like she had cleaned them. Like didn't even use soap and water. Oh, just wow. wiped them off with a towel and was like, yep, they're clean now. Or just blatantly threw them away. Oh, my God. Yeah. And when confronted with it, she was, denied it. Like she just lied and denied. That would have been really difficult to, to live with. Yes. Well, then she volunteered to babysit. Oh. She would even volunteer to babysit for free, trying to seem like she is just really nice girl but she would lock the kids in their rooms so, i was gonna say would we trust shelly to babysit well, no it got around it got around that you don't want shelly watson as your babysitter and she was never asked to come back to babysit again once the kids were like you know like, told hey, their parents we what got locked really in the happened mm-hmm. oh my god what an, another interesting dynamic that started happening with the kids was shelly at this point even as a teenager is still controlling chuck and now chuck is like trying to control paul it's like this weird twisted dynamic laura was quoted in the book to say Shelly was a master of control and chaos and that is just keep that in mind through this whole thing Mm -hmm. okay they enrolled her in a boarding school in Oregon after a few weeks the sisters it was a catholic boarding school you guys and the nuns called after three weeks and asked them to take her on the weekends because they needed a break from this woman or this girl gosh so they would they would take her for the weekends but they would go like camping they would go they had a family cabin um up in the woods so they would go and do that and Shelly did nothing but bitch and complain the whole time she didn't like anything that was being provided to her at all so the whole trip was just ruined yes exactly the more that someone did something for her the more she would take from them eventually the sisters kicked her out of the boarding school and you want to know why because they discovered that she was putting broken glass in other kids shoes Oh, her in the glass. Yeah, that sadistic way to hurt someone. She was also stealing from other kids. She was lying. They knew what she was about. Les and Laura even offered to pay the boarding school more to keep her. To keep her. And they wouldn't. They were like, not enough money in the world. She is straight out of Satan's scrotum. (laughs) This is not one of God's children. No. No. They would not have her back. So for the summer, she came back to Battleground to live with them again. Back to telling Laura how much she hates her, wishes that she'd curl up and die. And all while Les is hardly home. And Poor Laura through all of this. She stuck uh, around. Yeah. And to make matters worse, Les is giving Shelly anything that she wants. Shelly didn't want for anything. If she would just cry to Daddy and she would get 
anything that she wanted. So talk about undermining Laura. If Laura's trying to discipline her in any way, it didn't matter. Whatever was taken away from her, whatever she was told no about, Les would just say yes or give things back. There was never any discipline. I did Laura ever question what life would be like away from the family? Oh God, I would think so. Oh, um, that would be so hard. She does. Uh, once everybody's adults, her and Les do end up divorced. Oh, do they? They do. Because by the time she is sitting down with the author to be interviewed for the book, they're not together anymore. Okay. But not during this time. I mean, she raised these kids for him. Yeah. I would have been like, sir, it is time for me to live my best life. Yeah. Good day. Good, good day. And good luck. <laughs> yes. And with good luck. these demon children. Katie comes into the picture. This is Les's sister. So Aunt Katie offered to take Shelly because Shelly was really good at complaining about her life and getting her aunt to feel sorry for her. She told her aunt all about how abusive Laura and Les were and she just needs out of there. So Katie's like, yeah, how about you come and live with us? Oh, bless you, Katie. Yeah. And she lives in Pennsylvania. So this is the other from Washington to Pennsylvania, other side of the country. Couldn't be better. Mm -hmm. At this point, like, Laura doesn't even care what she's telling Katie. She's just like, sure. <laughs> Sucker. Yeah. You take her. I'll come. <laughs> yeah. Shortly after, I mean, she, she did not last long out there. She lasted long enough. She got a boyfriend, Randy Lovardo. They were there in high school together and they dated. But shortly after she started living there, Katie and her husband, Frank, started having troubles. As you can imagine, because this is what Shelly does. She starts manipulating and causing trouble. She's the type of person that would write a love note, bring it to Katie and say, I found this. Oh. This is, you know, written by, she loves, she's, that's what she does. She wow. loves to okay. create problems. Katie and Frank got a divorce. Oh my gosh. Because of this girl living with them. So now, as you can imagine, they ship her back to Battleground. Oh. Sorry, we can't take her after all. And now we're divorced. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh my gosh. This yeah. child. This woman is chaotic. It's like just from the very beginning. She is a tornado. A poison. Just a poison tornado in people's life. She breaks up with Randy Lavardo because she's going back to Battleground. And now she's working with her dad in the nursing home as a nurse's aide. Terrifying. I am terrified just hearing there's, that. There's not a lot of information about her abusing the elderly in those nursing homes, but I you but can't you wonder. One, well, once you learn more about her, there's no way she wasn't. There's no way she was nice. This girl has serious mental illness that never got treated. Obviously, I'm not diagnosing her. I'm just saying a lot of the stuff that you'll hear is mm -hmm. like you realize, holy shit, there's she's on a spectrum. Plus, coming from the balls of Satan directly. Oh, I mean, a straight shot. Another diagnosis. It was a straight shot from Satan's from balls. balls. Yeah, to the earth. It, it was really just, sounds yeah. like it. I think just she, like a plop. And well, it, if Shelley. she wasn't hatched from some sort of evil egg, then she was just planted just right from Satan's shot balls. out into yep. the world. Yeah, oh my and just, gosh. it's hard for me to believe that she came out of a womb from a human. I know. Yeah, it gets it gets worse. Where you're really going to question whether or not this. This girl was just shot onto earth right from Satan's <laughs> sack. Satan. Oh, my so gosh. So what she does, so she's working as a nursing home aide. She decides to give Randy a call. And she's like, you know what? My dad is going to give you a maintenance job at the nursing home. And, you know, come come out here to Washington and be with me. And he's like, um, yeah, I don't know. Because he's got a really good family. He's really okay. close with his family. He's like, I, I'm not sure about this. She sweetened the deal with free housing. You, ha you can live for free out here, work. And this kid really wanted to go to college. 
So he's like, okay, I could go live out there for free and I could work and make bank and pay to put myself through college. No, Randy, don't do it. He does it. He does it. Randy does it. Randy almost immediately regrets it. Les and Laura are thrilled. Because he's there to take up her time. He's there to occupy Shelly. Almost immediately after getting out there, Shelly's like, let's get married. We'll get married and live in this free housing of my dad's. Of course, Les and Laura are right on it. Like, They're yes, like, let's please do it. Please get married. This is how fast they were married. Les picked out his best man. That's oh my how gosh. fast he rushed so it. So the parents because, were like, get this yeah, bitch married. Right. Later, Randy, Randy's like, he was interviewed for the book. He's like, yeah, I sit back, I sat back and I let it all happen because we were both 19. He didn't know. He didn't. No. And Shelly and Randy were married in 1973 in, in Vancouver. And Randy was really hurt because none of his family came to the wedding. Well, he later found all of their invitations. Shelly had never mailed them. Wow. Mm-hmm. So they lived rent-free in this trailer that Les had provided. But it wasn't good enough because she is Les Watson's daughter. She should not be living in a, in a trailer. trailer. She also stopped showing up to work and claimed it was because of her period. Oh. She had too heavy of periods, so she cannot work. She's like, I just can't do this anymore. Right. Well, Les end up, ended up having to fire her because, you know, there's... Some wor- they work need, ethic. Yeah, they, they, they need, need somebody, somebody to, to take up. care of these, uh, right. you know, to help as a nurse's aide. So he's got to replace her, so he fires her. So she gets another, another nurse's aide job at another relative's nursing home and was fired from there, too, almost immediately for not showing up to work. And she goes back to daddy. But daddy had fired her for good. He was like, no, we've been we've been through this, you know, as much as he gave Shelly everything. So he and he felt bad about it. Shelly wanted a new car. All Shelly did was stay at home at this point in time. She's staying at home. She's watching her soap operas. This is what she just from this point on. Mm-hmm. This is what she does with her life. She's obsessed with TV. She oh, does nothing wow. but sit on the couch and watch TV. That's crazy. So he's, she's bitching and this whole time. I mean, I shouldn't say the only thing she's doing because she is still manipulating everybody around her spinning her tornadoes she is she is but she wanted a new car and honestly the watsons her mom and dad she went right to her dad for a new car less handled her where it's just easier to give in to her because to not give in to her causes him more problems more of a battle to Mm -hmm. to say no it's just easier to give in and give her what she wants. I get it. I do. So he come. she wanted a VW Beetle, which, you know, who didn't? I get it. They're yeah, adorable. Yeah, they're super cute. That's what he, you know, he tells her. Well, instead, Les got her a brand new pink Buick convertible. So top down Buick. That sounds adorable. Pink, yep. T- let me guess. It was not good enough. Oh, she loses her ever loving mind on him. And then Randy's like trying to calm her down. Like, honey, you know, it's. Now, she is an adult. I mean, she's like... She's 19. 19. Yeah. Yeah. At this point, she's married to Randy. And Randy's like, it's a fine car. I think it's a great car. Yeah. We'll get there. Hold on. You couldn't see her because we're not on TV, but Amber was like doing that washing washing hands hands of person. I hate saying that, but like, I mean, it would just be so hard with a lifetime of that and it just keeps Oh, yeah. Wow. So hold on. Randy couldn't calm her down. Even though he's like, this is a great car. It's fine. She is beside herself. So you know what she does? She fakes an overdose on sleeping pills and booze and has her stomach pumped. And so they're all at the hospital, all worried that she's going to die. And the doctor. Were they worried? No, I'm kidding. (laughs) 
might want to edit that. Fingers crossed. <laughs> they were so they were, worried they that were she might die. Worried. Air quotes. Like, were they really? Right, right. Yep. So they're, you know, they're at the hospital. The doctor comes out. She had freaking taken three aspirin. So she hadn't even taken all of the no, pills. No, and they, they pumped thought. her stomach. They oh did the charcoal, gosh. you know, pumping, all of that. She put herself through that, knowing that she wasn't really dying. She faked the whole thing. Wow. For for attention. I'm just waiting for Les to like lose his shit. Oh, right. Nope. Nope. They were just like, "What is wrong with her?" Well, I don't know. Maybe if you'd gotten her that psychological treatment back when she was 15, Les, because not they never to did. throw stone. No, they no, never. She did. never. Mm-mm. Oh no 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 no. It's the 60s. There's a stigma and it's like, on mental I'm, health. I'm wondering if they even would have been able to help her. It sounds like everywhere I she know. went, they were just like, "Yeah, we can't yeah, do it." Yeah, I, I know. I don't know. I think she would have had to be heavily medicated, and I don't think she would have taken her medication as prescribed all her life anyway. Yeah. So there's, she was gonna end up like this. So one day, Randy comes home and she's got a bloody nose. She's got scratches all over her, and says a man broke into the trailer and that she had been raped and beaten, and that the man stole Randy's gun. Randy calls Les. Les calls the sheriff. The sheriff right away is like, um, these wounds are self-inflicted. I was going to say, don't tell me she kicked her own ass. She did. Shelly kicked her own ass. She was her own victim. Oh, Shelly. Yeah. Was she just home during the day like, "Mm, I need to start something. Yeah. Watching soap operas. But I mean, think about somebody who is suffering from mental illness and you're obsessed with soap operas. Soap operas are nothing but drama. It's from one scene to the next scene to the next. drama. Drama, drama, drama. People are constantly getting killed. People are constantly getting abused. Yeah. You're right. She so was probably this like, is, I need a little bit of this yeah, in my this life. This is where she's, yeah, she's bored. I bet so, John and Marlena were still going strong. Oh, this is Just not, saying. Well, this is the 70s. So I don't know. I don't know when they came on scene, but this is the 70s mm-hmm. soap operas. So, um, and when I made mention just a few minutes ago and said it was the 60s, that's when I was talking about when she was 15, when she was a teenager. And she, it was the late 60s when she was a teenager and needed psychological help. But we're in the 70s now when she's, you know, married to Randy. So the sheriff was like, listen, those are self-inflicted wounds. I won't press charges, but you got to know. You two need to know. Randy and Les, like, mm-hmm. bitch beat herself up. Yeah. They're like, okay, Shelly. Shelly claimed that she, and she did eventually admit to the police, yeah, I did it to myself. But to Randy and Les, she's like, well, I had to admit that to the police because they were pressuring me. It was a forced confession. Oh, of course. Uh-huh. Yep. So they're like, listen, I will take you to, I watched him bury the gun, Randy's gun that he stole and, and you know, held me up at gunpoint. And I, I watched him bury it. I will take you to where the gun is buried. Randy and Les are like, yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, Shelly. Let's, let's go. It was like 200 feet away from the trailer. She didn't even walk any where farther than that. she walked out to bury yeah. it. Yep. She didn't even walk farther. It was probably on a fucking commercial break. Yeah. I'm going to bury <laughs> this like, gun She's like, let me really go bury quick. this gun. <laughs> and then get back. That's exactly what she did. Yes, Yes, that's what she did. And so now, you know, even though Randy and Les didn't believe her, now she's like, I can't live here. It's not safe. A man broke in. So this was her reasoning for For creating a scene. She wanted another house. Yep, it's just, it's too... 
um, this this really did happen. The police just aren't going to take it seriously. They forced a fake confession out of me that to say I did it to myself. And here's where the gun was buried. And it's it's not safe here. She, what she wanted was a cute little house in town, and she got whatever she wanted. The other interesting thing: they do move to a house in in town, but Shelley was never paying any bills at all. She had a big spending problem, but she doesn't like to spend her money on her responsibilities so on bills. Was dad paying bills? Dad or they just bought, weren't getting paid. Dad bought the house for them, but Randy would come home, come and go to you know. I mean, this is the seventies, so you could go to the little shop around the corner and be like, "Oh, just put it on my tab." Mm-hmm. Okay, it got to the point where Randy was like, "You've got to stop letting her charge stuff if she doesn't have cash or check for something." She can't have it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. stop letting her do it. And they're like, okay, yep, we we hear you, Randy. But before you know it, Master Manipulator is right back to convincing them. She would give them sob stories, all kinds of stuff. So she owes people money all around town, and she's just buying shit and overspending all of their finances. At this point, Randy's like, yeah, now I get it, why they were so anxious to get their daughter married. Oh, so he's starting to to get the big picture now. Yes, yep. Now it's 1974. She announces that she's pregnant. Oh, stop. And everyone is like, okay, maybe this will fix her. Oh. Maybe she'll focus on someone. Yes, because a baby always fixes. What better way to fix things? Yes, by making her responsible for a tiny human. That's going to do it. I'm terrified already. I literally wrote in my notes, bah, ha, 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 ha. (laughs) Because that's what they were like. Yeah, they hoped it would fix her. And Randy's probably like, 18 years? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, she popped holes in her diaphragm. I thought I was careful. But anyway, Randy's parents wanted to come out, of course. To see the baby? Because they're going to... They're going to be grandparents. Uh, Shelly said no. (gasps) But... Randy is really close with his family, and so they came anyway. So what did Shelly do? Never came out of the bedroom. Their whole visit, she never came out of the bedroom. Oh, my god! And Randy was really embarrassed, but he didn't let it stop them from having a good time. And they brought a bunch of gifts for the baby. The baby wasn't here yet. They just wanted to come out and, you know, mm-hmm. give gifts and celebrate and whatnot. The problem is they were having a good time without her. Which oh, made things that's tend. not happening. Uh-uh. Not, 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 we're not Shelly's house. We're not having it in Big Shell's house. No. The gifts that his family had brought went missing. She started sabotaging things. Like Grandpa would send this this food that he was known. I think it was a an, an actual like a sweet treat, like fudge or something mm-hmm. that he was known for making, and he would send it to all of his grandkids. Well, Randy tastes it and is like, oh gosh, I think Grandpa mixed up the sugar for salt. It's really salty. So he calls Grandpa and he's like, oh Grandpa, you know, I just want you to know I think you've got your containers mixed up. Like this is really salty. And Grandpa's like, that fuck you're talking about? I sent that to all your other, you know, your siblings. And, and they loved and it. It's from the same batch and it's delicious. Uh-huh. Shelly had poured salt into, crushed salt into it and sabotaged it. Because oh it came gosh. in the mail from his family. She just did not want him to have any joy. Mm-mm. From his family. No. Or with his family. No. And when when the family had come out to give the baby gifts, her his sister had accidentally left some clothes there. Randy was like, hey, she left some clothes. Can you please drop them off at the post office for me? Um, actually, she he was going to drop them off, and Shelly insisted, no, 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 I'll package them up and drop them off for you. When they arrived at his sister's house, they were cut to shreds. Wow. And when they called Shelly out on this, and Randy calls Shelly out on this, she blamed the postal workers. I put them in there just fine. 
it was one of those well, those postal workers. She lied about doing anything to Grandpa's food, lied about saying, you know, blame the postal workers for... Yeah, all of this chaos just keeps happening yep. around her. Yes. So now, February 1975, Nikki is born, her daughter Nikki. Throughout the whole pregnancy, she, Shelly's very vain. She was really worried about losing her figure. She was, mm-hmm. you know, all of those things that you would expect a narcissist, narcissist to... Uh, worry about uh-huh. when being pregnant she seemed really like at this time laura was like kind of hopeful because she's like she seems really excited about her baby she kept talking about it a lot kept telling people that she had big plans for her daughter when nikki was born it was pretty obvious like oh i, I forgot to mention this shelly's gorgeous oh at this point in time in her life okay she ain't today <laughs> <laughs> but i'm gonna have to see a picture of of shelly yeah when you see like young shelly and then and then today's Shelly. And not only today's, but when shit real, really bad goes down, you're like, oh, okay. That's like, ooh, dramatic. She lost the, uh... we, we lost our way. Okay. <laughs> so so she's really pretty. And when Nikki was born, it was very obvious that Nikki was going to be just as pretty as her. Mm-hmm. She, she was a beautiful little baby. Right after Nikki was born, they stayed with Laura and Les for three months. Oh, like she like needing help. Yes. With the baby? Like to help. Yes. Okay. And Laura accepted it because she was. You know, concerned. Like, how is she going to take care of this yeah, baby? She's like, I've known you my whole life. Please let me supervise. Yes, for sure. Okay. Exactly. Probably and a good like, thing. Please don't put shards of glass in the baby's shoes. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Randy finally puts his foot down and is like, we've got to go back home. So the baby's three months old. Like, it's time for us to get on our, like, routine. Well, things don't go well. Their marriage, not doing so hot. She started making Randy sleep in his car. Oh, my. This sounds Does like this Grandma sound Anna. familiar? <laughs> mm-hmm. Shot put shoulders, Grandma yes. Anna. <laughs> Good old shot yep. put. The reason he was sleeping in his car is because Shelly would lock him out of the house at night. Wow. Just blatantly locking him out of his own house. So he had no choice to, right. to sleep in the car. Then she demanded that he hand his paycheck over to her. And he was like, "Um, no, bitch, you're not paying the bills. Like, you can't, we can't do mm-hmm. this. So Shelly goes to daddy. Because remember, Randy's a maintenance man at the nursing homes that Les owns. Shelly goes to daddy and made sure that his page, Randy's paychecks went right to her, not to Randy. Oh my gosh. So her, her dad was just like, okay, we'll send it to you. Yep. Well, dad couldn't say no. No. No, no, no. She, whatever Shelly wanted, Shelly got. So after a while, Randy's like, I have fucking had enough with this. I was waiting. Yeah. I was waiting. Calls his parents. He gets airfare. And he goes to Pennsylvania. The baby he, stays with her. Baby I'm, stays I'm with her. Mm-hmm. I don't blame you, Randy. I know. I'm like, I'm I mean, waiting for you uh, to leave. Right, right. He's sleeping in his car. Right. He can't even he, have his own check. He has no, right. He has no way to buy himself anything. He has no access to any of the funds. She did this. Mm-hmm. She, two weeks later, Shelly calls and manipulates her, like, manipulates him. Like, I'm so sorry. I want to work on our marriage. I want to work things out. Just let Nikki and I come stay with you and your parents in Pennsylvania and oh, we'll no. work things out. And of course he's, he wants to see his daughter. Right. Yeah. So, he has a young daughter. Right. He's like, oh, okay. Oh boy. This re- reunion lasted exactly two weeks. This is the quote from the book when the author interviewed him. Even my grandparents were disgusted by her behavior. She created such chaos there that I had no recourse but to file for divorce. Like it was basically, her family was like, done no, and done. yeah, this can't happen. And this, I mean, his family sounds like they were like a healthy, close to family. So they're like, they can uh-uh. recognize this is not okay. And this is going somewhere really bad. So uh-huh. sorry. I'm sure looking back now, he is super glad that he got out. Oh, absolutely. I love that. He had like no choice. Yeah. 
yeah, had like to he file had divorce. to. And I think his grandparents were probably like, "You want any inheritance? Yeah, <laughs> yeah because want, it's not you going want to the her. money. She's yep. got to go." Yeah. And um, Shelley got her revenge by buying up everything in sight and stiffing him with the debt. Yep, he was she probably even, like, "It's worth it." Yeah. She even tricked him. He had contacted her and was like, hey, there is some income tax money coming and I need it to pay off this debt that you racked up. And she's like, yeah, okay, I'll, sure. She had another man forge his signature, cashed his income tax check, and he never saw a penny of it. Oh, my gosh. Yep. At least he was free. He was. So he's in, you know, Randy's in Pennsylvania. We really don't hear about Randy anymore. I was going to say story. the sad thing is that he had a daughter that I'm assuming he lost he did. connection with. Correct. Yep. Correct. And how would you ever keep that in right. your sanity? At this point in time, she also, she leaves Battleground, Washington. Oh. And she goes to Vancouver. They didn't really know. She wasn't in contact with anyone. They did not really know where the hell she was, what was going on with Nikki. Turns out she was, she got a waitress job and she was waitressing out there. But Laura was frantic with worry for Nikki. But what can they do? I mean, she's an adult and she just took off and. Right. Then all of a sudden a relative gets in contact with Laura and says, you better come and get Nikki because Shelly has all but stopped being a mother. And they're like, um, great. Where is she? Like, we will go. So Laura went and got Nikki and was happy to have Shelly gone. No one knew like where she was at. So she she just left her daughter? She left her daughter with a different relative. And that relative was like, listen, Shelly hasn't been back and I can't raise this baby. So Laura went and, and sorry if I didn't make that clear, Laura went and picked up Nikki from a different relative. Okay. They did not name the relative. So I'm assuming she would, they would like to be left nameless. They just knew like, hey, she's been gone a long time. And we can't raise this baby. So Laura's like, hell yeah. I'll oh, take her. Let me take this baby. And she didn't hear from Nikki, or excuse me, from Shelly at this time. And she is elated. She wants to have, she had plans to have Nikki uh, determined abandoned and adopt her. And Can I just say Laura sounds kind of like a saint for all of this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, she absolutely is. Goes on for over a year. And so they have, Laura, Laura has Nikki. Has Nikki. And Shelly is nowhere in sight, not in contact, nothing to do with her daughter, anything. And it's great. And then all of a sudden, she shows up. She comes up. She pops up again. She comes back. I want my daughter. Gives no explanation of where she is, where she was, what she was doing that whole time. Nothing. Takes Nikki back. The trauma that Nikki would have experienced from that. It breaks my heart when parents are just like MIA for years and then they're like, oh, like, yep, I'm here. And I'm your mom. So you've, you know, yeah, so you gotta you're going to love me. me and you're going to come with me. And, and they've bonded to correct. another family. Yes. Yep. And she's an, in, she was an Poor infant baby. at this point in time. So yeah, she's like, that's Laura is all that she knows. And what do you do at that time? And when know? she's suddenly taken back, she's about three. <laughs> yeah. That's really too bad. It is. And, it was interesting because in the book, you can actually read letters that Shelley wrote about their time when it was just her and Nikki and how in love she was with Nikki and, you know, what a great mom she's going to be and just all these things, that, these plans that she had for her beautiful baby. And what she ends up doing is like, what the fuck? She raises Nikki, tells Nikki that her father abandoned them and that her paternal grandparents hate them. Oh, wow. So that is how she is setting Setting. Nikki's worldview up. Mm -hmm. Like your dad abandoned us. His family hates us. When many years later, Nikki actually discovered that her father and his entire family had been writing letters and sending gifts that her mom intercepted and never gave her. Gosh. There's the answered question of, 
did Randy try to get into contact? Randy thought that he was staying. He did in contact with her and just eventually he's, you know, not getting anything back. And yeah, she was never receiving any of those. If, if money was sent, she took it out of the card and Randy's in such a difficult place too, because if he would have tried to go see his daughter, I'm sure it would have been ugly, a horrible situation. (laughs) Ugly. So it's like, I'm sure he wanted the contact, it sounds like, but what do you do with someone like that as the mother? And how she is so diabolical that a lot of what happens is because it was just easier to ignore her and not be around her than it was to actually confront what she's doing. Yeah. So, and unfortunately, if... Sounds like that's what a lot of people did. Yes, yes, exactly. Laura and Wes are now very concerned that Nikki's being left alone while Shelly went out and partied. So they actually went to her apartment that she still had in Vancouver, because it's not too far from Battleground, Washington. Mm -hmm. And they were going to stop in and check on Nikki. So now enters a man named Danny Long. He was living across the hall from Shelly, and they're like, hey, do you know is Shelly home? And he's like, no, but I've got keys to her apartment. I'll let you in. And, of course, Laura's like, well, you must know my daughter pretty well if you have keys to her apartment and know where she's at right now. When they enter, they find all kinds of stolen things. From There was like a restaurant downstairs. They also found keys to their own home and their cabin that had been missing. Oh my gosh. At this point in time, Grandma Anna, it was always known that her house that had been in the family for like three generations was going to go to Shelly. And so now at this point in time, um, Grandma Anna is ready to give the house to Shelly even though she's living in Vancouver in an apartment. Her and and Danny are starting a relationship, and Danny really is in love with Nikki, the daughter. And so they start to make these plans of, we're going to move back to to Battleground, and we're going to live in Grandma Anna's house. I don't know if they are moved into the house yet or not, but they're together, and Shelly announces baby number two. Oh, boy. Is on the way, okay? Everyone was probably like, oh, uh yay. Yeah. And so they get married. Danny, Danny Long and Shelly get married because she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. So she's on her second marriage by the age of 24. And I only say that just to give you perspective of how old she is at this point in time. Right. So she's, she's 24, married again. August 1978, Samantha, or better known as Sammy, was born. And Danny was really good to both of the girls, but he was not good at laying down and taking Shelly's shit like Shelly was used to. So the two fought constantly. And I mean like physical fights, holes in the wall. Grandma Laura was hardly allowed in the home at all. And when she was, she saw the holes. And of course, Shelly would say that it was from Danny but Laura had her had her ideas of where those holes may have really come from, and it wasn't Danny. right. She's like, I know you, I know you. Mm-hmm. Oh, that had to have been so hard to be grandma and knowing the girls are. Yes, but in what do that. you? What, what do you do? You do? You're she's an adult. You don't. These aren't your kids. You know. Yeah. Um, and she's a pain in the ass, and she lies, and you can't believe a word that she says when you question her about anything. She just lies her way out of right? it. I'm sure she was probably like, I want to get involved and help my grandkids, but yeah. oh my gosh, I don't know if I can. Yep. mentally handle being right. questioning her. Yep. So when they would get in their fights, Danny would leave to cool off. It doesn't matter if it was three in the morning, four in the morning. She would pack the girls in the car and go hunting for him. Oh. Yeah. This is something that you'll see her do a lot. She enjoys running people off so that she can hunt them down. That becomes part of her MO. Obviously, this marriage did not last long. Was She's, Danny like, I, yeah, I got I to yeah. go. 
Danny, oh yeah, they're on the outs. Mm-hmm. Okay. They actually end up being married for five years, but it's more so just because they didn't have money for divorce. After five years, she called her dad mm-hmm. and was like, I need money for divorce because uh, Danny is cheating on me. When really they hadn't, they weren't together very long anyway. And she had a bunch of boyfriends and she would make the, uh, make Nikki because she's the only one at this point in time that's verbal. She would make Nikki call her boyfriend's dad right away. Wow. Yeah. So that that went about on for about five years. Now, the author does do a good job of saying, like, guys, I interviewed many different people from a very traumatic time in their life. So putting all of their memories together is like fitting a piece of the puzzle together Mm -hmm. so some of them are a little bit different some of them you know time frames wise it it, it said that about five years later but in the meantime she had boyfriends and and Nikki was calling them dad and Mm -hmm. she you know Nikki clearly remembers like yeah anytime she brought a new guy home I had to call him dad immediately so anyway now they're officially divorced and Danny's no longer in the picture Shelly makes sure just like with Randy, that that Danny is not in the picture. So now, as a single mother, she's out partying at a bar called The Sore Thumb. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I is. like it. It is. <laughs> so, and I, I didn't even mean to say that, like, I'm not casting judgment. She's a single mom, and now she's out partying. Like, I have no idea where the girls were, if she made appropriate arrangements for them or mm-hmm. not. But she's she's at a bar called The Sore Thumb. Good. She's not quite 30 yet. Okay. Enter a man named Dave Kotek. So this is the last name you had mentioned. So it is. this, this is this it. Is the guy. This is the guy. She immediately starts dating him. In his interview, he tells this is what he says. He says that he he was in the navy. I'll get into his background in just a minute, but he was in the navy. But basically, she really looked like a movie star. So she's some still of, gorgeous. In some of them films. Yep. This is what, and this is his quoting. He's like, oh, wow. Other guys were hitting on her left and right, and I just looked at her. Pretty soon, she came over to my table just as I was ready to ask her to dance. So he is like, she's way above, you know, she's way out of my league, and here she is. He's enthralled with her because she's beautiful, and he feels like he never would have been able to get a girl like that. Okay. Little do you know, sir. Say, under that red hair as tiny little horns that she's hiding under those that clairol color father right (laughs) the devil for sure they get they get married okay and sorry i was thinking about satan's balls right i know (laughs) it's hard not to laugh when you're thinking about satan's balls it really is because i bet he thinks they're really big but i bet they're quite tiny you know you're probably right Mm -hmm. shortly after they're together they move to raymond washington and this is where Everything goes down. Raymond okay. Raymond Washington is is uh, where the memories are made for the tragic from hell. Tra- yeah, for okay. these girls. Mm-hmm. So they're out of battleground where uh, Shelley was raised. They're in Raymond right before they move. Like one of their last nights in uh, the the other house, mm-hmm. Nikki remembers waking up and not being able to breathe because there was a pillow over her face. Oh God. And then suddenly her mom was there and Nikki was crying and Shelly was soothing her and telling her that it was a dream. But even at this young age, Shelly knew or Nikki knew that it wasn't a dream. That it was her mom. It was her mom holding a pillow over her head. Oh my gosh. And she said she remembers that her mom actually had a look of interest, not a look of concern. And that has stuck with her her whole life. Wow. Yeah. Almost like a. 
I want to see how she reacts yes. to this. Yep. So that happened right before they moved to Raymond. And I want to give you a little background on Dave. He was a Pacific country boy. He'd been raised by hardworking parents, Al and Shirley, who always struggled to make ends meet. They didn't even have money for toys. So the kids made their own toys, like out of sticks and stuff like that. Dave had a brother and a sister. They always went to school in tattered clothing, but they had a good, decent childhood. They, they were just, just didn't poor. Have much. Yeah. Gotcha. He joined his father in the logging field, but his dad actually did not want him to have that hard life. It is not easy work. So soon after that, he joined the Navy. And in the Navy is where he kind of got confidence that he'd always been lacking. Mm-hmm. You know, it gave him it gave him some self-esteem. When he got back into town, he was like the most eligible bachelor. You know, oh. he's a man in a uniform. He was good looking-ish. The ladies love a man in uniform. Yeah, yep. And, and he's feeling... He's feeling a little bit, you know, more confident. But um, he even actually said in his interview that the girls chased him a little bit. And it's just too bad that the wrong, he took the wrong oh, bait. Yeah. Boy, did he ever. Mm-hmm. So he tells the story about how him and Shelly met. They danced all night. He asked her for her number. And interestingly enough, the sore thumb burned down to the ground the day after they met. If that is not a sign from Jesus himself. Even Jesus was like, run. Strike this with lightning. Make it burn. Dude, heed my warning. Even the sore thumb was like, I got to go. Uh -uh. We just put these two together and that's not good. It's time to spontaneously combust. It set itself on fire with guilt. It did. It just spontaneously (laughs) combusted. I have united two people and I feel horrible. Like I'm out. They shouldn't. I just ruined this guy's life. And yep. That exactly. And I'm gonna set myself on fire. And the sore thumb just uh, up in gone. flames. Mm-hmm. Wow. Sure, it goes without saying. He ended up calling her. He fell in love with Nikki and Sammy, her two daughters, right away. He was a mm. good guy to them um, at first. That sounds like a trend, kind of mm-hmm. with them. Like they're oh, yeah. decent, and yeah, then they meet using, her. Yeah, and using um, they're good guys, and and they fall in love with her daughter, and you know. Because Danny fell in love with Nikki. Uh-huh. Um, so anyway, she had a lot of money issues, no surprise, and she was about to lose Grandma Anna's house. So she like immediately, she had unpaid taxes and uh, unpaid loan payments. So she quick claimed it over to Dave, like pretty early in there, bef- even before they were married. Mm-hmm. And she wrote the ju- judge, Dave wants to save it for me, but it needs much repairs and I can barely afford to care for my children. I think I'll have to let Dave have the claim to it. And she went on to talk about how it's been in her family for three generations. I mean, this is back in the day where you could write personal letters to judges and give them your sob story. It was all full of lies. Her whole letter was full of lies, but her life is a lie. Right. And he did quit claim it to Dave. But unfortunately, Dave just didn't make enough money to be able to save the house. And it did go. They did lose it to foreclosure. Shortly after. So Grandma Anna left a house that wasn't paid for? Oh, she no. She took a new mortgage out on it and blew all that money. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shortly after she had Dave on the hook. You know, he's in love with, with them, mm-hmm. with the girls, with her. She tells him that she's got cancer and that she won't live to see 30. Oh, boy. So Dave immediately was like, who would care for the girls? You know, oh my gosh. And he later says in in his interview, I didn't marry Shelly because her kids needed me, but I have to admit that that was a pretty big reason behind wanting to marry her. So December 28th, 1987, they were married. And now they move into a house on Fowler Street. 
still in Raymond. And one of the witnesses at the wedding was Shelly's hairdresser and BFF. She had a friend. She did. Her hairdresser was her, her BFF, Kathy Loreno. Les and Laura Watson were so happy to have her married off again. <laughs> As they always mm-hmm. are. Shelly continues to be a straight-up bitch. She bad-mouths her parents all around town behind their back while simultaneously getting anything that she wanted out of them. She told everyone, not just Dave, that she had cancer, and she used that to get her way for anything and sympathy numerous times, especially continuing to rack up credits at different local shops and whatnot. So as you might imagine, Shelly and Dave didn't have a stellar relationship because it's Shelly. (laughs) <laughs> because, um, because it's Shelly. You know, Shelly has a way of literally slowly poisoning everything that she comes comes into contact with, and Dave is no exception. Nikki recalled a time when she watched Dave, who she remembers was once this, like, confident Navy man. And now she, she recalls, like, you know, after a while of being with my mom, now his hair is thinning. He's getting, his like, soul the, was dying. It was. And she's telling this story where she's like, he's got this... Thinning, thinning hair and and body. He's holding a gun to his head with tears streaming down his face, shaking and crying after a fight with Shelly. Oh my god! So this is where this we go. This woman literally sucked the life mm-hmm. out of. I'm telling you, she is a slow poison. Yeah, she is. It's like um, that analogy about a frog being in boiling water and it doesn't realize that it's dying until it's too late. Yeah, because it's such a slow boil and a slow death that's what Shelly does to everyone around her she is a slow boil she is she's a demon slow boil Dave had never hit Shelly but Shelly hit Dave she pushed him she punched him she scratched him she bit him she'd hit him she'd scream and hurl insults that were right to a person's core and afterwards she'd snuggle up to him and say this is normal this is how people work things out and just convince wow him that I mean have you ever it's just so textbook so textbook. And uh, Dave was like, yeah, bro, this is not normal for me. This is not what <laughs> Listen, you do. bro. Basically, at this point, he knows the only way to cope with her is to stay away from her. He spent a lot of time away from the house. He would literally sleep at friends' houses. Or he would just take camping equipment and go sleep in camping equipment, like by his work site and stuff. Very early on in the marriage, we see Dave use avoidance as a coping strategy for dealing with Shelly. Later, he would be questioned a lot about like, why didn't you leave her? And he would say, you don't understand. You You don't leave leave Shelly. She's like Hotel California. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And she, he literally was like, she is a hunter and she would hunt me down. That's what she enjoyed actually, like part of the thrill for her. I think I said earlier was the hunt. So he knew like he's I'm scared of Shelly. Oh, everyone was scared oh. of Shelly. And she was known around town by the way as crazy Shelly. It's oh. not like her craziness went unnoticed. Okay, so like, everybody knew. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like every town has one. You know. They do. A crazy Shelly's. When he would return, she would be really sweet and affectionate, which would last anywhere from a few weeks to a few hours. Oh, and then she'd flip the switch. Like she would go from being totally normal and sweet to being completely, totally out of control, like she was possessed. Mm-hmm. Fowler House ended up burning down, 
I'm seeing a trend. I know. That's what I thought, but nothing was connected there. I was just like, that's weird. Nothing is said. Like, why? Was it insurance money? I don't know. Nothing was ever said, but it just burned. It just burned down. The family moves into a rental house in Old Willapa, which they called the Louderback House because the original owner's names of the house was the Louderback House. And I mention it because this is how the girls like pieced their memories together to the author. They're mm-hmm. like, well, when we were at the Louderback House, this happened. And unfortunately, it was pretty secluded and private, hidden by big evergreens. So this this is not good news at all. Nikki and Sammy's rooms were upstairs. So if you picture this like at the top of the stairs, one room was to the right, one was to the left. And there was a big space between the two rooms that was like a playroom when they were kid, you know, when they were littler. Mm-hmm. So if you can, if you can kind of picture that. Shelly did not work. She still spent her days watching soaps. Those soap operas. Yep. Uh, and, and eating junk food. Uh, she had erratic sleeping patterns. She would often be up all night and sleep during the day. And she would not respect the fact that other people want to be sleeping at night. She often woke the girls up mm-hmm. at night. She would make random phone calls to people in the middle of the night. This is so, mm-hmm. so untreated mental health oh, issues. Yeah. Yes. Ugh. I knew when I got to that point of the erratic sleeping patterns that you would be like, oh, gosh. Dave was working long ass hours. And really, from this point on in the story, he's always away and always working. <laughs> Just if I don't mention, <laughs> yeah, yeah if, if I don't mention him specifically in an in an encounter because he's just, working yep you just assume he's working and he's handing over his paycheck to Shelly he's like I'll take that overtime I don't yep. even care if I'm not getting paid yes he he's just working so his ass off he is and handing he's his handing over, over his paycheck mm-hmm. now it was at this house that the girls remember everything and anything could be a weapon used against them and it often was so here is where we're going to do a trigger alert because from this point on I am going to talk about child abuse um the I will say right from the get-go the girls are not victims um of of of, of murder in this story they are horrible victims of child abuse but they are alive and well today okay and there are murder victims so we will get to it now can I ask really quick up until this point was there abuse happening to them prior or does she just continue to kind of lose her up, mental yes. health and up to the point of the louderback house like she's not nice but she's not being sadistic and once they move into the louderback house and the girls are getting older and That's I don't mean older happening. like teenagers this have this started happening before they were 10 okay. you know years old but aside from the pillow over the head incident which we don't know how many times that happened because Nikki can only recall that one time and she was young she was about six you know when that happened it didn't escalate until the louderback house to physical abuse so it's in this house that she starts beating them with a spatula a fishing pole an electric cord anything that's within her grasp if she's angry and erratic she's hitting you with it they were often quote disciplined that's what she called it at night Especially, like, they would just be ripped out of their beds to be beat at three in the morning. There was never any reason. The girls were not children that required, you know, a firm hand. It's not like they were terrible kids or anything, but they never knew what they would do to set her off in a fit of rage. I mean, it's like you said, it's untreated mental health. There is no rhyme or reason to it. It Sounds like it's just getting worse and worse. Yes, and it does. Oh, it gets way, way worse. But the result of it is just that she is beating them to the point of bloodshed these her physical abuse escalates to the point where she's drawing blood and breaking skin and bruises everywhere 
with no explanation. The kids didn't do anything, but they knew they had to just say sorry Mm -hmm. to try to appease her. Nikki actually said, here's a quote from her from the book. She said, sometimes there were reasons, I guess. Maybe we used to, maybe we used her makeup or we lost a hairbrush, things like that. A lot of times, though, we really didn't know for sure what we had done. But I mean, to to beat a child for losing a hairbrush or for using your makeup with an electric cord to the point where there's blood, come on, no. Yeah, yeah, that's. I don't even think even we if have they to would, get into how inappropriate that yeah, is. Yeah, and sad that they, you know, maybe tried to justify it that way. Like, yeah. well, we did take her makeup, or we did. Yes, you know, that is yeah, because that's what she would tell them. You know oh, what I mean? Like yeah. this is why she would always tell them how rotten and horrible they were and make up reasons why she was beating them. Nikki recalled that one time Shelly pushed her into her walk-in closet really hard and was screaming, you fucking little bitch at her. And Nikki was saying, I'm sorry, mom. I'm sorry, mom. I'll never do it again. But she actually had absolutely no idea what she'd done or what she was saying that she was sorry for or what she was saying she won't do again. She's just like... That is so horrible. Yeah. Nikki said that she'd wear tights under her clothes. She she did play volleyball uh, just so that people would not see that she was covered in bruises and cuts from the electrical cord that her mom favored. Oh, my gosh. Nikki had concluded that her mother got carried away with the beatings because she was not... Because she, meaning Nikki, would not just sit there and take them. She would try to run. She would try to get away, which, yes, that is survival instinct. That's what you do. And it would just make things much worse for her. She's like, well, I would escalate her, you know, because those are the things that Shelly is telling her. Mm -hmm. You know, I wouldn't... You're making me do this because you tried to get away. If you would just sit and take the beating, then I it would wouldn't last as long and it wouldn't go as far you are making me do this to you that is what she claims over and over again and the abuse isn't just physical there was one christmas about a week before christmas nikki was locked in her room for the entire week because she was a fucking loser and worthless oh my god just a whole week in her room this is heartbreaking i know and so and we're only on page 10 of 28 uh, of my notes just for this episode and so dave is not around here's the situation with dave he's not around but when he is around he is being told that these children are rotten and that they need a firm hand i see dave becomes a big part of the murders that happen here dave is a passive little pussy who deserves everything that he ends up getting my dick is bigger than dave's so we hate dave we hate dave okay good to know even if dave was here for the whole week that she was locked in for Christmas. Like, he's not doing anything about it. He will not stand up to Shelly. He allows all of this to happen. Okay. So, like I said, my dick is bigger than his, and from this point forward, we can call him Dickless Dave. All right. And so it is. Yeah, right. (laughs) So So it is. So on Christmas Day, she was let out of her room like nothing ever happened. No explanation of why it happened. Nothing. And then she was showered with gifts. Lots of gifts, lots of treats, love How and affection. Damaging. Yes. Like on Christmas, like, oh, they're Merry just Christmas. They're Time just to this, come out. this perfect happy family now. Wow. However, within days, everything that they had been given for Christmas was no. taken away. They were bad. They were ungrateful. They didn't deserve anything. A lot of abusers will give just to be able to have the power to take away. So Nikki recalled this time where she got a Cabbage Patch doll and she loved it. Well, literally, it was taken out of her hands and taken away right after it was given to her. And it was put in a closet because she was ungrateful. 
she would set traps like like Shelly would set traps over the doors to see if the kids were getting into stuff that they weren't their their stuff that oh was taken gosh. away like she'd put tape you know over it and things like that so um Nikki said that she would wait for her to leave you know go shopping whatever and she'd carefully take the doll out of the closet just to hold it oh that hurts my heart. Me too. Especially because I loved my Cabbage Patch dolls Me too. Me too. It was my favorite thing. Yep. She said sometimes she was caught and punished and sometimes she wasn't. That's so sad. Another Christmas, they got these teddy bear pins, which were really small and got lost in the hustle and bustle of the wrapping paper. Shelly became unhinged and beat both of the girls with an, an electrical cord for being so selfish and ungrateful. All of this happened with Dave's backing. He was there for the beating. He was there for all of this. She kept the girls up all night looking for the pins. Okay. And Dave was there and. and He's like, yeah, look, yep, for the pins, look for the pins. What she said. They ended up being found. Both of the pins together were tucked inside another gift. And the girls instantly knew that it was their mother that had hidden from them. Hidden the pins from her them. That she did it on purpose. Just to be able to create the chaos and to punish them. I've got nothing. I know. It's horrible. And I, what gets me is Dave was there this whole time. Like, Dickless Dave, shame on you. As the kids got, Sh- Seriously, shame mm-hmm. on him. As the kids got older, Shelly continued to find ways to control them. She would say things like, well, the well is run dry. You have to check with me before you use the bathroom or the shower. Of course, what? it was a lie. Their well was not dry, even when they lived in the city. And we're on city water. She would use this line. Whenever she left them alone, all the kids would immediately run to the bathroom to shower and to use the bathroom as quickly as possible. And then they'd have to dry everything down to hide what, that they had taken a shower. So they knew that the well hadn't run dry. Yeah. They were just yes. like, she's... It was her power and control. She was controlling when they were using the bathroom and when they were showering. I just want Shelly to go away. <sighs> she doesn't, I'm sorry to say. The kids said, they're like, it was really embarrassing to go to school unshowered. And shower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's horrible. Everything as simple as a shower was a privilege that only she could give us. And she would take their clothes away, too, so that they were just down to one outfit and make them wear it to school. That one over and over again. humiliating. And that's humiliating. That's what she was looking for. That's what she wanted. Mm -hmm. Sometimes after their beatings, the sisters would sneak into bed with one another and whisper about how bad their butts hurt or how much they wished that that they could do something to make their mom stop. Like shrink her and put her in a little cage, and then shrink her too. I know. And then they would like they would joke about how yeah, if we shrunk her, then she'd just stab us in the ankles. So like they're like even shrinking her is not going to get her away from us. These poor girls. And another oddity of the family is that there was a significant importance played on making everything look nice. All of Shelley's homes were well landscaped and they were decorated. I mean, I would argue that her taste was bad. Okay. I'm surprised. Yeah, by, she did like that. the country bumpkin motif. She was very much about keeping up appearances. Like okay. Appearing like so they are the- a healthy, normal family to keep authorities away, essentially. She had denim furniture and accents, which I'm like, oh, you oh. can't trust a, a denim no. furniture no. selector. To each their own, but mm, she had a ton of like baskets and doilies and knickknacks all over the place. She spent oh. lots of money on all kinds of things that they didn't need. And she also covered the walls in photographs. So everywhere the kids looked, it was like there was this photo of a happy family. So it was like a loving home Mm -hmm. full of tchotchkes. Yep, tchotchkes. 
I love it. But yes. behind the scenes, all it these, was hell. It was. And they're, the walls are covered with all these moments where they're, you know, smile for the camera. And it's just these fake ass smiles. And what's it? Even though they never had anybody over, no one was ever allowed to come over. But it's like she's keeping up this appearance for herself. Did the girls develop their own problems at school or like? Um, I mean, this really. had they to don't have been. Ever. The name of the book is If You Tell. For a reason, because they don't ever tell okay. anyone. So it was yeah. a secret. And it they... was. It was. And it's so, the problem is, is that she could be loving and she could be a regular mom one minute and then the next not. So it was like, and they didn't, I mean, they knew that she was fucked up, but it's still their mom at the end of the day when we'll get into parts of that in a, in a bit too. Mm-hmm. But the bad times far outweighed the good, but they were there for the good. At this this point in time, she found a new way to torment them. It was actually just Nikki that she did this to. She called it wallowing and just be prepared. You're not going to like any of this. It, like I said, it was almost always done to Nikki and it would happen. It would usually begin in the middle of the night. Shelly would flip on Nikki's light, tell her to get the fuck up take your clothes off and get the fuck downstairs. Yes, I said take her clothes off. And she'd call her something like a worthless piece of shit or something like that. This is when she was in a serious rage, and it was her tone of voice and the way that her mother looked and sounded that was the scariest to Nikki. She would immediately start to cry and say she was sorry, but really all she'd been doing is sleeping, so what the fuck is she sorry for? She would have to get naked, and you'll see that a lot as a point of humiliation that she does to people from this point forward. She'd liked to humiliate them with their own nakedness. She would force Nikki outside and make her squat down in the mud while Shelly shouted at Dave to spray her endlessly with a hose. <gasps> she would scream at Nikki to begin wallowing, which means that she would have to beg for forgiveness. Oh my God. Dave complied every time. Oh my God, Dave, seriously. Dickless Dave. Right? I he, just, she would say, like, this is a quote from the book where she would yell things like, make her wallow, Dave. She's a pig, Dave. Teach her a lesson. That's what she's screaming. There's different things like that. Where's Where's my neighbors at here? Well, like, I told you it's secluded. Oh, it's in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Of course. This torment would happen in all seasons. This hurts my soul. And it was Nikki that got yes. most of this. Yes. Yep. It was Nikki. Nikki recalled a time when she had tried to lift, like lift her bottom off the ground and her fingertips actually held, uh, actually felt frozen shards of ice because the mud puddle of the wallowing hole had started to freeze at the edges. So oh her fingers gosh. are scraping against ice. She was convinced that she was going to get pneumonia and die because here she is in the middle of the fucking winter, naked, naked. in her yard, in a m- wallowing mud puddle. For no, for no reason. reason. Being sprayed with the cold hose water by her father at the, by the force of her mom. Oh my gosh. Yep. Sammy would watch this happen from her window above. She would cry. She was very aware that for some reason she was not treated as harshly as Nikki was. Then next, and this is going to really, this hurts too. So next, Shelly would drag Nikki upstairs to the bathroom and throw her in a steaming hot bath. Oh my God. You are a pig, clean up and go to bed, is what she'd tell her. A steaming hot. Like you can actually, they, they even said, you going. could see the steam coming off the bathtub. Going from the frozen cold hose water to a steaming hot bath. Do you know how bad that hurts? Oh my gosh, I can't imagine. Nikki can't pinpoint how long that went on or how many times it happened, but it definitely was dozens of times. 
Sometimes she'd be crawling around in the dark being sprayed with the hose for 20 minutes, sometimes two hours. It just totally was dependent on what level of crazy Shelly was at at the time. Holy shit. Yep. For no reason, right? She just pulled her out of bed. She just pulled out of bed in the middle of the night for this. Mm -hmm. Now, Sammy was abused too, also for no reason at all, but Nikki was the one that was reduced to the lowest level of the family. Sammy had a great sense of humor and was often able to take the abuse and then sweet talk Shelly. So something that Nikki just couldn't do. Nikki would fight it. She would resist. Mm-hmm. Um, she would try to run, which meant that she would be beaten to the point where she was so bloody she couldn't walk to even try to get away anymore. So it sounds like to me like Sammy was just able to adapt and kind of manipulate her mom right back. Like gotcha. I know she wants me to suck up. and um, So I know I'm, I'm going to do that to She survived. Survive. Yep, she survived and it really did save her because her, her coping mechanism and her way of sucking up to her mom and giving in to her mom and not resisting anything and just basically like, yes, I deserved that beating, you know. Gotcha. Saved her from taking the brunt of it. Whereas Nikki was more defiant. Like this isn't right. I'm going to mm-hmm. try to get away. I'm going to talk back. I'm going to tell you I don't like this. And that's where the they they butt heads like that. Has and weirdly, this was like a, just a weird thing. All of a sudden, Shelly informs Sammy that her name is now Sammy Joe. As as an adult, Sammy figures out this was actually Shelly's attempt at hiding her from her biological fa- father, Danny Long, because Danny was trying to oh, to have to a relationship her. with Sammy. Mm-hmm. So she changes her name to Sammy Joe. Then at one point, she's like, "Oh, I just want you to know, you were born Sammy Joe. We just never called you that." So. So now you're Sammy so now, Joe. Yeah, yeah. So now we're just calling you by your right name. We had it wrong before. Yeah. Oh. Master manipulator. Not suspicious at all, but. Right. Oh, so. Nikki recalled one summer at the Louderback house where she was um, locked in her bedroom for an entire summer. Knives. Poor Nikki. Tell me that she's like living her best oh, life Oh, yeah. Now. You're going to love okay. Nikki's story. Okay, good. Yeah. I just needed that to hold on I know. to. I know. this is horrible. She would keep knives in the door to like keep it shut because there weren't locks on the door but she'd stick knives in there and they would know i mean obviously they'd fall and they would know oh so if if they they tried to get out Mm -hmm. yep and she was often told like she was ugly and worthless and she needed time to think about why she was so rotten so that's why her mom did bring in a bucket though which i'm sure you know exactly what the bucket is for it was for her to go potty in she was let out only to empty the bucket she did not shower she could not have contact with Sammy. Oh. One of the things that um, is really prevalent, too, is that she gets very paranoid about Sammy and Nikki talking to each other. She doesn't want them to have contact because she does not want them to make a plan for telling someone what's going on. Wow. She would tell Sammy how bad Nikki was and make her reply that, yep, yeah, she's yep bad. Nikki's bad. <laughs> and she would because that's survival. But Nikki was like, actually, that summer I realized how much I like to read because in the closet was all of mom's um, Nancy Drew books and Dean Coots, all of those sorts of things. So she read all summer. That's how she passed the time. Now, the story just got me. Their family dog, Freckles, not uncommon. This sadistic woman is horrible to human beings, but she loves animals. Why do they always? I mean, I I get it. I love animals, too. Right. I know we come into process a lot, but the fam- we do. The family dog Freckles had puppies, and Sammy would, when their mom was either sleeping during the day or gone, she would throw like pine cones at Nikki's window to get her attention, and then she'd hold up the puppies Aww. so that Nikki could see the puppies. Well, then the bucket 
they were able, she put a couple of puppies in a bucket and hoisted it up to Nikki so Nikki could cuddle the puppies for a, a little bit. That is so sweet. And then she put the puppies back in the bucket and send it back down to her sister. I know. <laughs> oh my goodness. That is so sweet. Finally, she was let out of her room. Of course, Shelly is like just, nothing. you've learned, yep, you've learned your lesson. Nothing ever happened. I love you. You're beautiful. Blah, blah, blah. That only lasted a couple of days until all of a sudden Sammy recalled that all of a sudden Nikki is being chased by her mother through the house and Shelly shoved Nikki through a plate glass kitchen door telling her that she was going to beat the shit out of her. Sammy recalls Nikki letting out a sound that sounded like a wounded animal. Oh gosh. And so she goes running and sees what happened. Nikki is cut real bad all over her body. She's bleeding badly. She needed medical help. Uh Okay. Shelly, as usually, as usual, immediately went into shock and then softened and was, was like, oh my God, look at what you made me do. That's what Mm. she kept saying over and over again. Look at what you made me do. If you don't know what that is, that is gaslighting and it is not healthy. She has never and will never admit or taking to, or take responsibility for what she's done. She'll never, she will never. No. She did mutter a, like an I'm sorry, which stopped both of them in their tracks. Like it was like like foreign out of her mouth. Mm -hmm. She tells Sammy, you got to help me put her in the bath. We've got to, you know, try to clean her, clean her up get this glass out of her. Sammy recalled when they got her into the bathtub, she just remembers the water being red. She was bleeding everywhere. After that, something else that comes up here is Shelly kind of proclaims herself to be a a medical expert. She had medical books around. Oh, okay. gotcha. Yes. She dressed her wounds and all this stuff. So they didn't take her to the hospital? They, oh, God, no. Oh, no, no, no. They would Somebody would raise a, an eyebrow. And see all the bruises. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. So she did not. But you know where she did take her? Um, She took her just the two of them to go get dinner and to get Nikki's hair done, which Shelly never, had never done before. Totally manipulating her into look at... I'm so sorry. Look at our happy family. You know, you don't want to tell anybody about this because it'll ruin our happy family. Mm-hmm. And look how nice I'm being to you, keeping her on the line. Fortunately, this is just manipulation that a child can't see and understand. Oh, for sure. You know? Sammy and Nikki both knew that Nikki needed to go to the hospital, and they both knew why they weren't taken. In the book, they said, there probably wasn't a time that we didn't have visible marks of the abuse of my mom inflicted on our body. So it was constant. Like there's visible, yes, just Old all the bruises, time. bruises, new bruises. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so bad. She did so like, horrible. Uh, she did take them uh, to the doctor, like if they were really, really sick and needed medicine, but they wore clothes to cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's only. I mean, she never anything that she did to them that inflicted something that warranted medical attention. She would not take them. She would just administer it herself. And she did take a couple of medical courses when she was in Vancouver, I guess. So Oh, so it's fine. Yeah. It's it, fine. And Dave recalled a time where she did surgery on his back. She removed a cyst from his back and he allowed her to. Oh he my just, God. She just gave him some whiskey and then used a small knife to remove it. And he literally like, it was fine. She lanced well, it. Well, and Dave has no penis. So right. he's like, okay. He doesn't know what's going on. Perform surgery on right. me. Right. Yeah. The girls never told Grandma, Laura, or Grandpa Les, what was going on. They never told anyone. All they would say is, Mom is weird, which we see that a lot. She is weird, girls. I will give you that. Mm -hmm. At one point in time, Laura came over for Nikki's birthday. Something else you should know about, Shelly. She made a huge deal about holidays and birthdays. It's all for the show. 
Mm-hmm. Is that and, because there would be other people around possibly? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Cause it was just expected, you know, it's expected like people are going to come over and celebrate the girl's birthdays. And, but she like showered them with gifts too. So she could take them away. They never got to keep any of their gifts. Don't Laura was over one time and she's like, going to see the girls' bedrooms, you know, and noticed that their windows were nailed shut and that their doors had clasps on it. And she's asking the girls about it, and they're like, I don't know, Mom is weird. Mm. They, they weren't going to tell her. Right. So remember how Shelly had two brothers, Chuck and Paul? Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's probably no surprise that Paul the youngest, which was the one who was with the mom, was with the mom for quite some time and lived on the streets. Well, he lived a biker life. He was a biker, very rough life. He got a girl pregnant. He was in and out of prison. And so he had a son named Shane. Shelly would stay in contact like with Shane as much as she could. She was all about appearances. She was always writing like these love letters about how much they love him and miss him and all these different things. So this is just Aunt Shelly to this boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul's back in prison and Shelly tells Dave that we need to take Shane in. He needs to come live with us. Dave was not happy about it. He's like, you know, one more fucking mouth to feed. Yeah. Two, like what? His name was Shane Watson. As I'm sure it's no surprise to anybody at this point in time in the story, Shelly didn't give a fuck what Dave said. Right. Like he was going to win. Yeah. So Shane came to live with them when he was about 13 years old. And he had lived a hard life of violence and poverty. His mother had suffered from substance abuse issues. His dad was in and out of prison. And so to him, you know, the home kind of seemed like a little haven from being on the streets. Now, to give you some perspective, Sammy is 10, Shane is 13, and Nikki is 14. The very beginning, she bought him all kinds of new school clothes, gave him a cozy bedroom in the basement with a new comforter set and all. Their basement at this house, at the Louderback house, was a, had a diesel furnace, diesel oil f- furnace. Mm-hmm. So that smells really bad. Okay, so the, yeah, the, de- yeah, the, that would. Yeah, the diesel oil... It has a stench. It does. And so he's sleeping in, you know, in that. But he's got, he's got himself a mattress and, you Mm -hmm. know, a little setup. Probably couldn't breathe, but he's got a place to sleep. He's calling them mom and dad immediately because this is like to a nuclear family that he's never had. They went on a family camping trip and Shane had opened up about what his life was like growing up with a biker dad and a drug addicted mother. He was angry about it, but he was a good kid at that point in time. Shelly got state benefits for him. It was the perfect setup for her, you know. She's getting state money. Oh, for and sure. And also she got a, a slave because after the sweetness wore off, she worked Shane to the bone. And at first he wasn't a willing participant in the slavery, but then he realized that it was just easier on him if he did everything that she said. I've heard that a time or two. Mm-hmm. With Shelly, you ran when she called you as fast as possible, and you never questioned why she was calling you. You just came running. He spent most of his time out of school doing chores, and he did have a dirt bike that he was able to take the girls for a ride with once in a while, um, and he got along really well with Sammy, but it was Nikki who he was like closest with. That was mm. his confidant. Sammy handled Shelly better, and they knew that you know Shelly liked Sammy better, so they didn't like talk shit about Shelly in front of Sammy as much, but Nikki and him got together a lot and, and was like, had a this roast. bitch is crazy. Yeah. yeah, because Shane was subject to the same abuse as the girls. Poor Shane. Um, Shane got the wallowing like Nikki did. Oh, God. Mm -hmm. They bonded, really. Nikki and Shane bonded over their hatred of Shelly because, Mm -hmm. much more, because Sammy just couldn't relate. She didn't get it as bad 
as Nikki. Shane was terrified of Shelly, and she actually began to fixate her torment and abuse on him, so she let up on Nikki just a bit as she focused on Shane. Poor Shane thought he was coming to live with this Mm -hmm. good family. Yep. If things were not done the way that she wanted, Shane would pay the price. Soon his possessions started to disappear from his bedroom, eventually right down to his pillow, his blanket, and then his mattress that was on the floor. Oh. So now he's sleeping on a concrete floor in the basement. It smelled very strongly of diesel oil, by the way. And he complained, and in retaliation, his every other week shower pr- privileges that he were was on at this time were now gone. Oh, my gosh. She gave him one set of school clothes to wear. He went from being the cool new boy with all the cool clothes to literally being the greasy, smelly kid that wore the same clothes. Where are the fucking teachers? Oh my gosh, I was just thinking that. Like, how could you not I tell that these kids were being abused? Is, this is the 90s. This is the early 90s. But give me a break. This 13-year-old boy that is wearing me... the same clothes. There are so many people, I feel, that looked the other way and were just like, oh, it's crazy Shelly. Like, yeah. no. This was horrible that, that it so could go on. Bad and Grandma Laura wanted to come visit Shane, of course, and see him. And when she did, she discovered his deplorable living conditions and gave Shelly money. Like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that you guys didn't have money to get him a bed set and to get him clothes. She gave him money. So this kid's probably getting made fun of at school because he's oh, wearing yeah. the same stuff yes, and he he's was. dirty. He was. And it and it built his character the way that it was because of that. Yeah. And he then got he's a chip on home. his shoulder. Oh, mm-hmm. and how couldn't you? Right. And then he's coming home to sleep on a concrete floor in the right. basement. Yep. Oh, this breaks my heart. Shane knew that the way that he and Nikki were treated was not normal and wasn't okay. And it just kind of bothered him because, like, sometimes Nikki would almost stick up for him. Like, well, but sometimes there's good times. And Shane's like, when? Like, when, Nikki? When are there good times? Nikki's like, I loved my mom because I didn't know I had a choice. I had to love her. Uh And it's so true for kids. They don't know that. There were times that she just did stuff to see how far she could go. She's kind of stepped it up a notch with the wallowing. She would make them, would make Nikki and Shane wallow together. So here they are, 13 and 14, naked in the yard together, back to back. Dave was there too. Dave had the hose, right? Yep. And, And Dave was present for this one as well. One time she made them get naked and dance together in their living room. Dance. They were embarrassed, humiliated, but they formed a strong bond talking shit about how fucked up both of their parents were. Dave was there watching this. Why? He's just like, oh, you I think don't know what this to is do. okay for a I think I hate Dave more. I know. Because, because he didn't Shelly is mentally ill. And we know that. And it's not an excuse. This is not okay. But Dave is a functioning member in this household and has done nothing Mm -hmm. and thinks that it's okay to watch a 13 year old and a 14 year old cousins dance naked for punishment and say nothing and do nothing and he often that was repeated a lot in the book that Dave was also was often just quiet he never said anything did her bidding and without a word I feel like everybody feels trapped with her because I'm amazed that they they didn't rebel at some time but she had such a a hold on them yep. mentally, probably, she that did. they didn't That's exactly dare. right. She did. She had a complete mental hold. Nikki recalled a time where it was for absolutely no reason. They were sitting in the middle of the winter up on the hill in the backyard, naked, back to back. She went in to go watch TV and just told them to sit there until 
till she was ready to let them out of that position. Now we're going to move to the next phase of the circus. Do you remember Shelly and Dave's witness at their wedding, Kathy Loreno? Yeah. Well, she ends up moving in with Shelly and Dave because Shelly, who, by the way, is still claiming she has cancer. Oh, this whole we time. still have cancer? This whole time. Okay. She gets pregnant in 1988 with her third daughter named Tori. Mm -hmm. No, not another child. There's another daughter that comes, Tori. Dave is still practicing his coping mechanisms of being away all the time for work and giving Shelly the money, which she's still blowing. And now she's pregnant and she needs help with the kids in the house. So Dave was shocked and was not on board with moving Kathy in. I mean, he's never on board. What's it matter? Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. So Shelly told them Kathy's family no longer wanted her in she was let go from a salon that she had owned. She actually lost it, but, um, and she was just down on her luck. So now Kathy is living with the family, and her room is that large room upstairs that was between the two girls' bedrooms. Okay. So um, Kathy was 30 and out of work. Shelly told her initially that she didn't need to work and that she just needed to help her and they would take care of her, which Kathy was really appreciative of the help. The kids really did not like Kathy at first because she was just another adult bossing them around in their eyes. But Kathy did like take time to do the girls' hair and to be sweet to them. It's just, you know, from a kid's perspective, it's like, oh, God. Another like, one. Another, right. Kathy was very susceptible to believing every word that came out of Shelly's mouth, which was often about how terrible Shane and Nikki were and how she had cancer and how hard she worked for her family. So she's, like, setting the tone. She is. And at one point in time, Kathy even says to Nikki, like, I don't know why you're mouthing off to your mom. She's the hardest working woman I know. Um, Are you watching wow. her sit on the couch watching TV? Like, what? Yeah, she mind fucks everybody around her. Here is the main problem. If Shelly was doing something to one of the kids, she would convince Kathy and even Dave how horrible the kids were and justify what she was doing and the way she was treating them. So neither of them stood in her way of the discipline. Kathy herself was not mean to the kids. She just thought that they, they were rotten kids. Like, and that's what the kids' memory is. They're like, the, Kathy probably just thought we were rotten little shits. You know, well, that's that's the seed that's that mm-hmm. Shelly planted. That she's planted exactly. So now, I wondered where the abuse would come in with a new person coming into the picture. Right. Now, Kathy's family did not disown her. Um, actually, they Kathy had really taken care of her mother Kay financially, and growing up, she would care for her younger sister Kelly a lot, and. As a matter of fact, Kathy ditched all of her own life plans to work at a salon in Aberdeen and buy a house close to her mom so that she could take care of her after her father had died in like a freak accident working on a movie set. Oh, wow. So she was like a really a giver. There was a lot of great things said in the book about Kathy post pre living. Yes. Okay. Well, the salon went under and she had to move in with her mom, but her mom was not as giving as Kathy had been and she wanted her to pay rent and keep paying the bills which she couldn't do, but what she could do is move in with her BFF, Shelly. So that's how she ends up in Shelly's house. Gotcha. It's because she just can't afford to pay her mom rent. And, and So now baby Tori is born. In the first week of June, 1989, Dave's absolutely elated to be a father, but he was a little bit shocked that Shelly could get pregnant with all the chemo that she was getting. And let me explain <laughs> right? the chemo to you. Yeah, please do. Dave would take her. When he was home, he would take her to chemo appointments. He would, but he was not allowed. Shelly's a proud woman. He wasn't allowed to go into the doctor's appointments. Oh so my God. He waited in the car. Her chemo appointments, quote unquote, would last eight to 10 hours. What was she doing? Oh, she went out the back and was going shopping and out to lunch and all this shit. She oh was not. Oh my. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, this I, woman, I guess I shouldn't say exist. shopping because. 
I don't know what how she would explain away the bags, but Dave's like, I have no idea what she was doing in there all that time. And later, Dave's or uh, Laura is like, oh, I bet I know exactly what she was doing. That little she now went out I the know. back door and she was just wandering around all day. Those fires were the universe trying right? to stop. Yeah, so there they Dave, were a little off. There, Dave is. Yes, they were. The timing was off, the but they were trying to stop this woman. Yeah. They because were, they were like, same seed has spilled out mm-hmm. into the earth, and we need to stop it. To this squash woman it. is vicious. Yep. <laughs> and what's worse is when she'd get back in the car, she'd pretend to be beat. She had to go sleep the rest, you know, sleep off the chemo treatments. Okay. Oh, yeah. It gets worse. Hold on. I, I know it doesn't seem like it could, but it does. No, it does not. <laughs> like, how much more can this right. woman and, do? And also, Dave is just a dumbass. Like, Dave is just dumb. He is. Like, she, no one has cancer this long, and then she gets pregnant, and so, and, and. Like, he, I question his ability to function uh, as a, yeah. an adult. And then, um, what's really bad, though, is when she was in labor with Tori, she, Kathy's like, it's time to go to the hospital, or, excuse me, Shelly's like, it's time to go to the ha- hospital, Kathy's gonna drive me, you follow in the car behind us. Dave's like, I don't even get to drive you? He did get to hold Tori first, though, before Kathy, at least. Oh, wow. But- but yeah, that's how controlling she is. Oh my gosh. Shortly after bringing baby Tori home, Shelly became really dramatic all of a sudden and announced that Tori had stopped breathing. She's like, but it's okay. I revived her and I saved her life. She ended up taking the baby back to the hospital for about a week for monitoring. And Dave has no real way of knowing whether or not she really revived his daughter or not. Or if it or was Or that just, she actually mm-hmm. stopped breathing. Yep. She also claimed that uh, Tori was a premature baby and had special needs. Tori was born a week early. That is not premature. Oh, my god! Her lungs were fully developed. What's sick is that she bought one of those, like, pad, heart monitor pad things. So when the baby stops breathing and the heart isn't pumping right, this alarm goes off. So the girls remember it was just constant. After baby Tori got home from um, the hospital and was they were told, well, she's a premature baby, her lungs aren't developed, we have to put this monitor on her at night, they didn't get any sleep because the, the alarms kept going off. Well, one night, Nikki comes downstairs and sees Shelly holding a pillow over baby Tori's face. <gasps> oh, my God. Shelly notices Nikki. And oh, no. immediately picks her up and is like, she's okay, she's okay. The alarms had not went off yet. Tori came too quickly before the alarms had gone off. She was like coming downstairs for something else. But that's why the alarms were going off all night. She was holding a pillow over her face to make the alarms go off. What? And to make everybody believe that she had a special, you know, a, a baby with heart, a heart problem. Oh, my God. Underdeveloped lungs and a heart problem is oh what she God. told everybody. As the weeks went on, Sammy and Nikki, like at that point in time, they knew we need to look out for our baby sister. This is not okay. Yeah. And Nikki did recall, like she remembered that night from when she was like six, right before they moved to Raymond of yeah, her mom. she had the same mm-hmm. thing done. And she had questioned, oh, my God, did she do this to Sammy, too? Like, has she done this to all of us? And likely she did, yeah. So they really took on, her and Kath, the girls and Kathy really took on a major caretaking role for baby Tori. Did they tell Kathy what had happened? I don't know. I'm not sure. Eventually, Shelly loses interest in Tori and just goes back to her routine of bossing everybody around to do her bidding and watching her soaps. seems like a trend, Mm -hmm. like with the baby stage. It's like, okay, I'm done with you for now. Exactly. When you get older, I'll ruin your life and take your soul, but... Right. During the interview, Dave had this perception that Shelly was always better with babies than kids. He thought that Shelly was a loving and doting mother and to Tori as a baby. 
But it wasn't until much later when Sammy reconnected with her biological father, Danny, that Danny was pointed out like, listen, Sammy, when you were a baby, I would pull in the driveway. Your mom would jump up off the couch and go grab you out of the crib to make me believe that she had been holding you all day. But your crib told a different story. She had terrible, terrible diaper rash all the time. Her crib was filled with gross bottles, with diapers, with, yeah, she was left in the crib all day. All day. Mm -hmm. So it's like, Sammy and Nikki are like, okay, Dave can say what he wants to say, but it was, it was us and Kathy taking care of baby Tori. And when they, you know, when they were babies, Sammy themselves, you know, Sammy, well, when Nikki was a baby, Laura was taking care of her, but when Sammy was a baby, she was she was not being taken care of, and Danny knew it. Someone stopped this woman already. One time for her birthday, Sammy recalled she got a big birthday party. Like, her friends and family were able to come over, and there was a big stink made. There was tons of presents. She got a popable. Do you remember popables? I had a popable. The pop Mine was the pop. Yeah, where they had was, the pouch? Yeah, the pouch. Mine was purple. I lived for them. Me too. I had so many of Me them. Me too. I love them. I only had one, but it was it was purple and I loved her. And so she got a pop popple. Shelly asked her after the party. I'm about to take it personal if something happens to her popple. No, nothing happened. I, th- I mean, it gets taken away from of her. Of course. But Shelly asked her, like, did you have a good time? What was your favorite gift? Well, Sammy told her her favorite gift was the necklace that Kathy had given her. Oh, hell no, right? Uh, yep. Um, this is where Sammy learns no matter what, the favorite gift is always from mom, not from anyone else. Because when everybody left, on her birthday, Shelly beat her to the point where she was bleeding for being an ungrateful brat. And, well, bitch, actually. And then took all of her birthday all presents of her gifts. away. Mm-hmm. Including the necklace that Kathy of gave course. her that she loved. You would think they're just so probably numb to it at this point. Like, yeah, I know I'm not keeping right. this shit. Yep, so. for sure. And she had a problem. She was like, I, well, how dare you? That necklace that Kathy gave you was just something that she had lying around. It wasn't even new. Like, that, of course. That's what she's saying, you know, saying to her. Next, what happens is Shelly calls Laura and tells her that she's got Hodgkin's lymphoma and that it's bad, really bad. Then, three days later... She calls back and said the doctor's messed up and it's actually cancer of the pituitary gland. Which, if you don't know, your pituitary gland is located above your eye, just to the side of your nose. My mom actually had a tumor on her pituitary gland and it was very scary. So I kind of take this personally that you are making up a fucking really scary diagnosis. Yeah, for sure. Laura was in the medical field all her life. So she knew that something is wrong and she knows Shelly's a liar. So she started talking to her coworkers and different doctors and putting pieces together, but she would call and continue to try to get updates on Shelly's treatments. Like, what are they uh-huh. doing for you? Like Shelly, this doesn't sound right. You know, I feel like Shelly's had cancer for like 10 years. She now. has. Yeah. No, you're not <laughs> like, even kidding. How long um, are we going to keep this? No, up? during the interview, Dave's like, I know that I probably should have questioned that, but I just didn't. He thought their entire relationship that she had cancer. Oh my God. Yep. yep. Um, I can see on his end where he's like, I am not even going to ask anything. Spoiler alert, this bitch is still alive today and in her early 60s. So she, she didn't have cancer. Mm-hmm. At this point, Laura is really like onto her. Right. Okay? Right. She realizes she thought everything was like going really well with Kathy until she was on the phone one day with Nikki and she could hear screaming in the background. And Nikki's like, ah, oh, that's just Kathy and mom fighting. They do that all the time. So now that relationship starts to really 
decline. Laura starts to ask Dave questions like, hey, have you talked with her doctor? Have you seen what her treatments are like? And that's when Dave confesses that he's never talked to a doctor, that he drops her off. And Laura's like, oh, yeah, okay. Dear Lord, uh-huh. Dave. Dave's yep. just oblivious. Like, she he's is. just there, like... A fly on the wall. Yes. Now what's starting to happen, and it happens very slowly. I'm going to go back to that frog in the water analogy. Kathy and her personality and who she really was starts to fade away to the slow poison of Shelly. Again, soul draining, dying. Yes. No matter what Kathy did or how hard she worked to please Shelly, she was never satisfied. So now Shelly starts physically abusing Kathy just like she did the kids. What? Yep. She starts hitting her with whatever is handy when she became upset. Kathy would often cry, cry and sometimes threaten to leave. But in the end, she stayed and was convinced by Shelly that it was her fault that she had made Shelly mad and hit her. Oh, my She's God. Doing the this same is her mind friend? Fuck. Mm-hmm. You forced me into doing that. Don't make me do that again. I need to count on you. Don't argue. Just do what needs to be done. Wow. I, I love you, Kathy. I need you. Don't make it difficult. I'm going to need the universe to, to get another fire going soon, please. <laughs> could, could we please strike this woman? I cannot handle this woman. Nope. My soul is dying I as know. I keep hearing So is her. everybody else. We're over two hours at this point in time on our um, on this episode, and it's just I still have eight more pages. She is horrible. She is the worst. I'm going to be, like, bald but this, at the end of this. We should have done her. a before and after of me. <laughs> In this case. This is before Amber <laughs> learned about this case, and this is after hearing it. Hair's gone. Mm-hmm. I look poor posture. Yeah. Now oh, she's horrible. I'm sure you're probably wondering, like, I don't understand. How is she able to beat this woman, and why is she staying? That is well, what I'm wondering. She would, she'd give her affection. She'd hug her, give her affection mm-hmm. after a big beating or a fight. Then she'd give her a bunch of pills. Dorothea. Exactly. It's Dorothea mm-hmm. all over again. This is how... It is the pills. When you're, I, the more that we get into what she does to Kathy, just know Kathy is not in her right state of mind because she is being drugged. Oh my gosh. Okay. The kids know that the way Shelly is treating Kathy is not okay, but the abuse on them subsides. And they know that the focus is now on Kathy. And as bad as it is, this is survival of the fittest, you guys. They can't. They're like, we get a break because yeah. Kathy's getting Yes, because Kathy is taking is the brunt of it. And Shane is still there, too. Yes, okay. Shane is still there, too. Still, and It's not that they're not being mistreated at this time. It's just has eased up. The, the focus the, is At Kathy. this point in time, the wallowing is now just for Kathy. Kathy's wallowing? Kathy's wallowing. <gasps> oh, um, my God. Yes. Their fights even started when she was as early as when she was pregnant, when she first moved in and she was pregnant with Tori because they got into a knockout, drag out fight. And actually, Kathy was a pretty big woman. She was bigger than Shelly. And Shelly's rage is so strong that she was able, the kids watched them have a fight just outside the kitchen door into the backyard where Shelly, completely pregnant, tackles Kathy and beats her ass and rolls her down a huge hill outside. She was kicking her, like in this particular fight, she's kicking her down a hill by kicking her in in the abdomen over and over and over again. Was Kathy like fully cognitively there? I mean, I'm just, because Kathy's an adult, right? Kathy's an adult. She's 30. She moved in when she was 30. And and I don't, I, I, I have no information that indicates, I mean, she did run her own salon at one point. Yeah. It yeah. just blows my mind that she was able to yeah. um, 
she was given it was pills. the soul it was uh, okay yeah the, the, the pills between the, the pills and the mind fucking that's oh going God. on and the i need you i need you to count on me i just can't wrap my brain around I know. how she would stay it's uh, crazy. a lot of it had to do with the drugs she wasn't in her right mind that she yeah. was being given we'll get into that but um they often remember fights where kathy would say i did not do that or i didn't do it and their mother would say would counter with no you don't remember doing it is what you mean Oh, I hate people like that. Mm -hmm. This is her strongest weapon, making someone question their own sanity because they tell them what they have done or said and act like they're crazy, the crazy one for disagreeing or for not remembering. So the person's like, did I do that? Did I say that? Yeah. There was one time she pulled a lemon meringue pie from underneath her bed and was like, Kathy, you binge eat at night and I saw you put this pie under your bed. And here it is. And Kathy's like, I did not do that. I don't do that. She's like, the kids saw you, Kathy. Then she would make the kids, right, kids? And, of course, the kids are not going to disagree with Shelly. So the kids are like, yeah, we saw you do it. When in reality, they saw their mom put that fucking pie underneath the bed. Then there's another time where she was convincing Kathy that she was walking naked in Shane's room at night. And she made Shane tell Kathy, yes, you were naked in my room at night. Then Shane goes to Nikki and is like, she was not naked in my room at yeah. night, but you do not disagree with her. Now, does Kathy start to eventually question her sanity because yes. of this? Yes, She's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I I don't know why I was doing that. I, she was convinced that she was eating all the food at night, that she was, because Kathy was a little bit hev- heavier at first. Um, when Until her soul starts yeah, to die. When moving in, and that was a big source of um, abuse. She could tell sure. her how fat and ugly she was. Uh-huh. And she just honed the point in of, you are secretly eating at night and this is why you're fat and but Shane openly was like admitted to Nikki like I didn't see her naked in my room but what am I gonna say no that didn't happen and then take abuse from Shelly right one of her favorite tactics was to always be two against one this is what part of her triangulation that she did one time they literally watched her Kathy was walking down the stairs in front of Shelly and they watched her put her foot into the middle of Kathy's back and push her down the stairs. And she fell hard, like face first down the stairs. And then she was like, oh my God, Kathy, you're such a fucking klutz. Wow. She's the one that just pushed her. This woman is horrible. There there aren't enough bad, like usually we're really good at coming up with horrible names for people. There is nothing bad enough that we could come up with to describe this woman. No. And the reason that I'm going into such detail about this is because she cannot get out. <sighs> I will be there. We'll pick it. We will get there at the end of the next episode. But we have to let the world know. She starts taking all of her personal items. She left her with one bra, one panty, and a muumu. Of all things to leave someone with. A muumu. That's just cruel. Yep. Within days, the muumu was gone too. So she had nothing? And then her panties were gone. Kathy was doing the household chores naked and under the influence of pills that Shelly continuously made her take. She locked her in a closet once for punishment, all while sitting on the outside of the closet, cooing, soothing words to her through the door. I love you, Kathy. I'll keep you safe. You're going to be okay. She was convincing Kathy that Shane, she was protecting her from Shane, that Shane was going to beat her up because a a lot of times... She forced Shane to kick her, punch her, hit her, slap her, bite her, anything. Oh, my God. Or he would get it. So Kathy's terrified of Shane. So she's locking her in a closet to keep her protected from Shane when really 
Shane would is not a threat to her at all. He's just being forced to abuse. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! And and she's being kept in there. Like, oh, I'll protect you. I love you. She's right on the other side of the door, saying soothing words to her. I don't know who I and am what, anymore. I know, I know. Sammy was really confused because she was so, she's younger, and she was like, Kathy has her own car. Why does she not just leave? Right. She I must mean, I be think, okay with this. Like I said, not mm-hmm. to to victim shame, but no. But we're all thinking like, why doesn't she? Yeah, leave? because she's under the influence of these drugs, and she is convinced. In the meantime, in the meantime Shelly is sabotaging her family relationships and she's convincing Kathy that her family no longer wants her that so she has nowhere, nowhere to go, to go. and well, that's not what's happening the lobster she's, boiling in water like exactly. you said or the frog yes she's intercepting phone calls from Kathy's family and convincing Kathy's family that Kathy doesn't want anything to do with her anymore. Isolation. That is what she's doing. So anyway, Shelly would also make the kids snap Kathy with rubber bands for absolutely no freaking reason. She'd be walking down the stairs and she would just yell, get her. And they'd have to snap her repeatedly with rubber bands. Oh my gosh. And at, at this point, Kathy is losing weight and she isn't being fed. Her Hair and her teeth are literally rotting and falling out because she isn't allowed to shower. As her hair starts falling out, now remember she was a hairdresser, so it's it's malnutrition. And she had this long, beautiful hair that she was always really proud of and always proud of the way that she looked. Mm -hmm. One day, the girls come out to the porch and see that Shelly is cutting off all of Kathy's hair. Blunt cutting all of her hair off. Kathy's crying, and when she, she like had her like flip over you know like bend over and uh-huh. cut it that way and when she stood up she was like oh girls isn't this the cutest little pixie cut on Kathy <sighs> and of course the girls have to agree and be like oh Kathy oh, yeah. that's wonderful and in the book Nikki's like it was the worst haircut I've ever seen in my life and she's just taking that's another humiliation tactic oh absolutely at one point Kathy says to the girls when Shelly's not around I wish you could help me out but I know that you can't like wow. she knew the situation was hopeless she knew how Shelly was and that the girls weren't maliciously trying not to help her. She knew there was nothing they could do. Isn't it amazing that it's like Kathy got it as far as the girls were concerned. She knew what was going on, but felt trapped herself in it. Yes. It just amazes me. And this is just a little bizarre tidbit. They always made Kathy take trips with them, but she had to ride in the trunk of the car. What? I know it. I know this seems so unbelievable, you guys, but it really did happen she would just be like we're going camping Kathy get in the trunk and the girls don't remember Kathy complaining ever when they went camping she would be like a part of the family trip but kind of not she wouldn't sit with Shelly or Dave at the fire she'd be kind of off to the side and she'd be helping with Mm -hmm. the kids with what they needed she always did what she was told at this point like a trained puppy she never she's so browbeaten that she just does what she's told Mm -hmm. On the camping trips, she slept under the car or she slept in the trunk because Kat- Shelly would be like, it'll be fun to sleep in the trunk. Get in, Kathy. I just can't and there was And there it. was one story, too, where she was so weak that she actually fell face first out of the trunk. She couldn't get out of the trunk on her own. Because she was so malnourished. Because she's so weak. Oh, my gosh. They take a trip to the laundromat and Shelly says, this is after the camping trip. I'm just giving like snippets so mm-hmm. you guys can really see. You can get more even from the book than from what we've done in these, what's going to end up being like five hours worth of podcasting on this story. But they take a trip to the laundromat because Shelly's like, Kathy can't be left alone today. She knew she needed to be on watch because she knows she's going to try to run away. Kathy did try to escape Oh, she did. She did. There were several times where she tried to escape, just so you guys know. 
But what have we been saying? Shelly's a hunter. Yeah. She always finds her, always coaxes her in with the right words. We'll get to that. She's too weak to be left alone. She's in the trunk, and, and she really can't protest at this point. She's in the trunk, and one of the girls, Sammy, was like, it's just going to be a little while longer. We've got the dryers going now, Kathy. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no problem. Talk to you soon. Oh, and she's in the trunk. She's in the trunk. Asked how like, the weather was just... out there. Shall, Sammy's like, oh, it's real nice, Kathy. Like, as a child, could you imagine having this conversation with this grown-ass woman that's it's in, in a the trunk? trunk? Oh, my what gosh. What the hell? And Kathy's just, like, making... Yeah, you know, talking Small about talk. the weather. Yeah. Just here in the trunk, no Just big in deal. The trunk. Oh my gosh, that's so sad. I know that we keep saying the theme of a um untreated mental illness. Uh-huh. And obviously she had something. Although there's really no def- the only thing that they mention in the trial is like a defiance of Shelley's, but there there wasn't anything mentioned about a specific diagnosis. I was so curious about that if the, if she was ever diagnosed. No, and and I mean it's obvious she's not completely healthy. Yeah. But there is just some sadism here as well. It's mm-hmm. not all just I think you we, know mental illness. We have more at yeah, the core. We have of we her personality dis- disorder. She has all of the things. She does. All of the diagnosis of all of the things. Yes, cuz we could, you and I are familiar with the DSM mm-hmm. and she really could fit into so many different categories. It's really tragic. It is. But also scary. She's like the DSM in human form. She like is. all of them. Right. She really, really is. <laughs> There's and so I don't, many things. I mean, I don't want people to listen to this and think, oh, you guys are hating on someone who suffered from mental illness. It's more than that. She she has... Not she, hating on her, hating on the behavior, trying to wrap my brain around how it got this far and just but so also sad just, about it. Just the fact that I want to point this out. She did have enough cognition to know what she was doing was wrong Mm -hmm. because appearances were everything and she tried damn hard to hide everything. You have to keep that in mind too. Yes. Okay. When we are talking about an actual person who is severely mentally ill, they don't always have the the foresight, the Mm -hmm. ability to to think ahead and plan and cover up. And Shelly... Every grotesque thing that she does, she covers up. Mm-hmm. She lies and manipulates about. So it is more here than just an undiagnosed mental illness is what I am. I want to say. Because I don't want to be disrespectful to anyone suffering right. from severe mental illness. But it's not all that. She, you got to keep in mind how much she pre-planned things and covered things up. And we'll get to more of yeah. it in a minute. If you're covering something up, you know that it's wrong. Yeah. Exactly. And yes. And so that is another piece of, of what's going on mm-hmm. here. The girls did find a huge medicine cabinet full of pills from all different areas, um, or excuse me, pharmacies around the area. Remember, this is back before there was a good yeah. system for yeah. tracking yeah. all this, but she had lazapam, uh, nitroquick, which I don't actually know what that is, entinol, altase, paxil, Prozac. Which Prozac was her favorite to give to Kathy. Okay. Lots so of all Prozac. of those things were being yeah, fed nice to Nice little Kathy. cocktail to Kathy. Okay. Mm-hmm. I keep forgetting that's a component here of right. everything going on. Right. Because everybody's like, oh, Kathy, why? Why? Because yeah. she wasn't in her right mind. Yeah. Okay. She made her 
a prisoner. There was one time where Shane tried to run away. Shane and Kathy did try to run, you guys. Even when naked, there were times, okay? but they, Shane. Yeah, but they were hunted down. It reminds me of that Jean-Claude Van Damme movie where, like, people were hunted and, like, they hard target oh. Jean-Claude Van Damme I'm, was, like, hunted, but he wasn't having that, it. But Not I, today. I love a good Jean-Claude yeah. Van Damme. Oh. He had a mullet in that one, too. Oh, hey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, the only man who could rock a mullet. Absolutely, the way it was meant to be worn. Yeah, well, these people were like hunting people. It was horrible, you know. But not Jean Claude, the skinny white dude in a wife beater, lose the mullet. Yeah, (laughs) that is not who that style was made for. Exactly. (laughs) Anyway, so yeah. Anyway, there was a time when Shane was well, not one time. I mean, this happened frequently, but he was duct taped by the front door while Shelley left and left Sammy in charge of him. And Sammy, of course, did what she always did when her mom left, ran to use the bathroom. That's the first thing that they always did. When she came out, Shane was gone, which Sammy wasn't upset that Shane ran away. Sammy was more upset about, shit, now we're going to have to. This was my duty. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and we're going to have to hunt him down all night. Oh, because no. she made it a whole damn family affair when one of when somebody tried to run away. Wow! It didn't matter what the kids had going on the next day. You're in the car. You're going to help hunt. So she would just drive around and find them. Yep. They must have been really, truly out in the middle of nowhere. Well, and the other thing is they knew, Shane, you're going to be found and then it's going to be worse for you. You know, it's just going to keep getting worse. So stop. I mean, they just they found him two days later. Naked and freezing and crying. I am sorry, Mom. I'll never do it again. She coaxed him into the car with kind words that meant more to him than they did to her. Well, the poor kid's naked. Right. I'm sure they weren't getting a lot of food either. No. Yeah, I'm I'm sure not. There wasn't a ton of mention of that. But she would say things like, we love you. You scared us, Shane. Don't ever scare us like that. Your sisters and I love you. She's putting... The love into it. Of course. Which is what they want. The things that mean more to Shane than it does to her. So he came back. When Tori got to the point of no longer being able to fit in the cradle, she she kicked Kathy out of the upstairs bedroom and put Tori in there. She tells her, we've got a nice cozy spot for you in the basement. Now remember, all of her personal things are gone at this point. She doesn't have a bed. She doesn't have anything like that. You'll love it down here, Kathy, she says. What she did is she put her in the actual diesel oil furnace room. Oh, my gosh. Remember how we talked about it earlier? Yeah. Or the diesel oil that stinks so bad? She's in the the furnace room. That could not be healthy. Oh, not at all. Sammy came down and found a box of some of the personal items that Kathy had confiscated from her and started to hang up posters, some of Kathy's posters. Kathy was begging Sammy not to do it, telling her, you know, please don't. And Sammy's like, it'll be better for you down here if we do this, Aww. Kathy. Of course, Shelly found them, ripped them all down. Punished Kathy and punished Sammy for it. This is what I feel is probably the worst. And this was one of the worst memories for the girls. It was winter. It was shortly after the whole moving her into the furnace room, Sammy decorating it situation. But they're not sure what what happened. But Shelly was in one of the worst rages they've ever seen her in. Everyone could recognize this is really, really bad. Mm -hmm. Dave and Shane were made to to help. There was a hill, which is where the wallowing would happen, from what I understand. I may have that, you know, misconstrued just from the girls' memories as a little different. But there was a hill behind their house. What Shelly made Dave and Shane do was, it's wintertime, so there's snow. Mm -hmm. Keep in mind. They put Kathy naked at the top of the hill, and Dave would have to shove her till she slid down that hill. 
naked. And then they'd make Kathy walk back up the hill. And without saying a word, Dave would shove her down again. And it went on over and over and over. The girls said it went on for what seemed like hours. Kathy couldn't walk. She begged her to stop and saying that she was sorry, but it didn't matter. I just... The, the control over all of them is like nothing I've ever seen. Me neither. This is Hitler control. It is. It is. And I mean, I, they could have essentially joined forces. I mean, and they just didn't. That's it, just it. And because it's such a mind fuck. Absolutely. Y'all have to understand what it's like to live with someone who is giving all the things that they need one minute. And it's hard because when you're hearing it, it's horrible. It's so horrible. You're, I'm like grasping. Right. Like, they could have done this. And they but we're done this. 37 year old women mm-hmm. whose brains are fully developed and know what is right and wrong for a, a parent figure. These are children who only want love and affection from their mother and who don't realize that they don't have a cho- that they have a choice right, that they right. don't have to love her. And Dave, I just have no excuses. Dave, I for. got nothing. So we can't even go there because. He's still alive and he may at me someday, but I'm still maintaining dickless Dave. (laughs) Double D. The girls, they watched all this and they were crying. What was really hard for them to see was that the snow on the hill was covered in blood the next morning. Oh, gosh. From her. I mean, it it was repeatedly. Yes, it's Mm -hmm. repeatedly. It is cutting her up. She couldn't walk. Because she was naked, right? Yes. Completely naked. You might be wondering where the F is Kathy's family in all this? Yeah. Yeah. Well, in March 1991, Kathy's mom had a major heart surgery. She called the house many times. It went ignored. Finally, Shelly did answer and simply told her that Kathy had run away with her boyfriend, Rocky, which sounded kind of familiar to Kathy's sister, Kelly. Like at some point, she did mention a Rocky mm-hmm. in her past. And a short time later, Kathy's sister got a blurry photo in the mail that was from Kathy of, of her, like, standing in front of a truck. Okay, because Rocky was a trucker. Okay. Right? So, so just keep that keep that nugget okay, in mind. I'll hold on to that. Yeah. They took another camping trip. Kathy rode in the trunk. There was video footage of her sitting on the beach, not really looking at anything, and her teeth were gone. What was left of them were black nubs from decay. Oh, my goodness. Yep. But you'll be happy to know that in that video footage, Shelly was posing like a like fucking Ariel from The Little Mermaid with her red hair on the beach. Having a good old time. Living her best while Kathy's like deteriorating. Actually dying next to her in a zombie state. Yes. Do they show a picture of that photo somewhere? No. There it would, is It would be mind-blowing to me. Mm-hmm. There's nothing. And there are... That comes up later, but no, it's not. Wow. Not that I could find. Not that I want to there see There might it, but be I'm... some more armchair detectives that were willing, you know, to find them digger. I, I don't know that I wanted to see them, but no, no. I did. I got very wrapped up in this case, and I did try to find as many images as I possibly could of everyone because I really wanted one of Grandma Anna. Absolutely. Could not find one. So, but like I told you, This case was not heavily covered in the media. I mean, in their small town it was, but not nationwide. Mm -hmm. Now it's the summer of 1992, and the family bought a farmhouse on Monaghan Landing Road. And the kids had actually hoped that it would not be as secluded. Yeah, for sure. As the Lauderback house. No such luck. Oh, She actually made them, there were neighbors, there were neighbors at this house. But she made the kids stand at all different points from the yard around the neighborhood to survey which parts, like where... Who could see what? That's what she wanted to know. And she told the kids, privacy is very important to our family. Oh, this of is course what it I, is. This is what I mean by pre-planning. 
yeah, knowing, knowing what she's doing is wrong. Mm-hmm. Keep that in mind. No witnesses. She didn't want anybody to see what That's she was right. doing because it was wrong. Yes. And she had that cognitive ability. This this was like a farm. It had actual outbuildings too. The house itself was smaller with two tiny upstairs bedrooms, one bedroom on the main floor, and only one bathroom for all of them. Oh, gosh. So that was probably a selling yeah. point. It, right, because she can control Monitor. it even easier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tori slept in Shelly's room. Shane slept in Nikki's closet. Oh, I My heart breaks for Shane. Me too. Like, Here's this teenage boy sleeping in his teenage cousin's closet. Kathy was sleeping on the living room floor. All of her belongings fit into a single, single paper bag at this point in time. Oh. By 92. They worked day and night fixing it up, but mostly at night. So the kids were exhausted trying to make it through school. And the ironic part is when they would fail in something in school, they'd get beaten without ever giving any consideration to the fact that they're not doing well in school because they're exhausted. Yeah, because they're up all yeah. night Yeah, and then plus just the anxiety of oh my gosh, being abused. Dave had a, f- now at, at this point when they move into the Monaghan Landing, home. Dave got a job that was actually on an island. So it was a five hour drive. He had to take ferries and everything. So it is a five hour drive. Dave trying to get as far away as possible with employment. I told you from the beginning, his coping mechanism is distance. Oh, for sure. I don't have to deal with it. I don't have to see it. I'm literally going to work on an island. Shelly's great. I'm going to my own island. Yeah. So he is gone all week and only home on the weekends. And the thing is, he's getting out at, you know, five or six o'clock on Friday night, traveling for five hours, getting home in the middle of the night and made to work on the house. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So he's a walking zombie as well. He slept like in a tent on the campsite, which is not unusual for him. He had done that at his other job, too. He's like, what, a a tent? I'll take it. A a tent or the devil. Yeah. Mm. Give me the tent. Right. While, and by the way, she was still sitting on the couch watching her soaps and eating O. Henry bars. So I, for, I forget through all of this, like that was her thing. Yeah. She, she was shoving the wax papers in the cushions of the couch. And so she could not even get up to throw the freaking wow. candy bar wrappers away. No, did she play the the well card with the bathroom the whole time? Yeah. Still saying like, you have to ask yeah, me to go because no, uh-huh. of the, okay. Yeah, that never stops. Gotcha. Yeah, they would, if they had to get up to pee in the middle of the night, they would do it in a bottle of some sort and then dump it out their window the next day. Mm-hmm. Wow. So physical abuse continued and was unpredictable. The kids would flinch. And Laura did note, make note of that as they're growing up that the kids are flinching when Shelly's around. She would she would bite Nikki's hand, slap her face, punch her. Uh, she fell asleep in the passenger seat of the car one day and just got slapped repeatedly in the face for falling asleep. Oh my gosh. So that's what I mean by unpredictable. Uh-huh. Nikki told a story of one time they're just standing at the bus stop and as soon as the bus pulled up, Shelly just hauls off and slaps her right in the face in front of all of her friends because she knew it would be humiliating. And all I could think of was, where the fuck is the bus driver? Yeah. Why are you a al- What? I know it's the 90s. It's the 90s. It's 1992, people. And and no. yeah, it would have been so, so degrading and embarrassing right. for her. And do not think that I am raising four boys that I'm not disciplining because they got disciplined when they were younger, but not by being slapped in the face. And, and for no reason. Right. And just right. specifically to do in front of her friends. It, yep. That's all it was. Humiliation. <sighs> now, here's where it gets really bad for Kathy. Kathy was no longer allowed to bathe at all. In the louder back house, she was had the hose turned on her, okay, to bathe once in a while. But now in the Monaghan landing house, it was never. So instead, Shelly would just drench her with bleach, telling her what a pig that she is. Oh, my 
my gosh. She would also do this to kids, the kids. And then she would wash the bleach off with boiling hot water. She would boil water on the stove. Kathy had open sores from abuse and would scream when the bleach went in them. Oh, I bet. And, she and just, then the boiling water? Yep. That is just horrific. It is. She would just scream at her that she was a stupid pig and then be like, well, now that doesn't that feel a whole lot better? Yeah, bleach in my open wounds that you caused and then hot boiling water on top of that. Yeah, it feels great. Thanks. I can't imagine what Kathy looked like at this point. I would. I imagine it's very harrowing, yeah. which is another reason why I just don't want to look it up because there are probably people who have been who have died who've moved passed on that look better than what she must look like at this point she has no hair her teeth have rotted out of her skull she has open sores that had bleach untreated open sores that were bleached and then boiling water and no and she's being starved too, right? And she's like being she's starved. not being fed. It. She she is I'll jump ahead in my notes oh, for you sorry, to sorry. answer that question. What she's being fed is a smoothie cuz remember she has no teeth. She's being fed a smoothie of all the rotted food in the refrigerator. <gasps> here, here Kathy, drink this. Isn't that good? And she'd say, "Oh, it's delicious, Shelly." Oh my gosh. It is it's terrifying how complacent the human mind can become. It's it's like under the influence. She thought of anything and everything she did to degrade exactly down and to nothing. Yes, another reason why I struggle with like any sort of psychotic break or just your um, typical person who is suffering from bipolar disorder or something like that. This is more. This is one of the most extreme cases I've ever heard where someone had that much power. Yes, psychologically. And slowly killed someone for so long. For yes. so long. She took she stripped this person of everything. Everything. Of who they were, of their future, everything. Slowly. And this is why the girls wanted this book written. And I'm so glad that Greg Olson did it. Yeah, absolutely. Dave did ask about Kathy. And Shelley told him that she was addicted to drugs and she is helping her get better. So that was her treatment, huh? Yep. Uh, Dave would draw attention to like the obvious declining of Kathy's health. And she would insist to, or she would continue to insist, you know, you're only here on the weekend. She's a lot better than she was on Wednesday and, and continue oh. to blame the kids mm-hmm. for her stress and, and abuse. And so Dave's just like, okay, whatever you say. She started making her stay in the pump house, one of the outbuildings on the property. And she told Dave it was to help her protect, help protect her from the kids. Cause Dave's like, Shelly was Kathy in the pump house. Oh, got to protect her from Nikki and Shane. Dave's just like, whatever you say. Okay. Yep. One time Dave said, and I quote from the book, one time I came home and Shane was dragging Kathy around by her feet. And Shelly was saying, see, this is what I, what I, Told you about forcing Shane to do things in front of Dave so that it would confirm that the kids were abusing her. That the kids were abusing her. That takes some serious power of manipulation and forward thinking. Oh, absolutely. That's a lot of energy. I can't, the energy she wasted, of course, she's just sitting there eating O. Henry bars. You'll be happy to know she gains quite a bit of weight. I am. O. Henry, indeed. (laughs) They need to call them O. Shelly bars. Look at your ass. That's what they should have renamed them. I don't even feel bad. No, Fat shaming in this situation. That's just it. I would never, for any other beautiful woman. Absolutely not. Who believed themselves to be overweight. But this bitch... Mm -mm. (laughs) 
Good old Henry. All Henry's doing. Good job, Henry. Good job. Thank you, Henry. And I only say that because I know it affected herself. Like, she was... Because she was big about the appearance, right? Oh, extremely. Or using the appearance. She was very shallow. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So well, where are you at now, Shelley? That's right. Uh, there was a time where the girls remembered that Kathy ran away, and it almost seemed like she might have got away. Yeah, Kathy. Yeah. You know, we hope she's gone. Good for her. Two hours later, Shelly drives home with Kathy, found her at a mall. Like, Kathy had gotten to a mall to be (gasps) with people and ask for help. Shelly bought her bags, a couple of bags worth of brand new clothes, got her back. She wore the clothes for about two days before they were taken away from her and she was naked again. How did she... How does she keep finding? I, I'm just well. I don't want to say impressed. It's a small town. Yeah, Raymond is is not a, a big town, and and, and nobody's I don't know. questioning. And this woman like, is a hound dog. You know, she she is. It's like no matter how far they got, she would find them. Yes, she enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah. That was part of the appeal to her, and the kids said it numerous times. In the she book. liked the hunt. She liked the hunt. She's a hunter, just like our it's target. Terrifying. Just like. Poor John Claude. Right. It's sick. John Claude. <laughs> call me. No, just kidding. I'm super happily married. Call Amber. <laughs> yeah, call, call me. Even though you're, no, I'm not going to insult John Claude's age. We should not. Because yeah, I bet, I bet he could, he could still, st- he could beat my ass and I'm confident of that. No. With those he, martial arts moves. He's still banging a good headboard up against oh, the wall. You know it. Come on. With his own legs behind his head because he's so <laughs> flexible. <laughs> Yes, indeed, my friend. <laughs> Love me some John Claude. <laughs> so anyway, there was a another situation where Kathy tried to escape, and she while she was naked, mm-hmm. and some kids on the school bus saw it and addressed Sammy like, "What is the Who naked is- chick doing yeah. running in your backyard?" So Sammy comes home and is like, "Mom, Kathy can't be running around naked in the Can backyard." You being a schoolboy, oh like, no! Seeing- and not only that, but she doesn't look good at this point in time. She went from a beautifully robust woman, mm-hmm. which Shelley kept calling her fat, but she was just a beautiful, robust woman. To diminished, you know, and, and sickly at, looking. At that point, I'm sure that they could play off that she was like had mental health issues or something because well, of her the way she, she looked. She probably or- could have, but what Kathy does is she tells Sammy, "Invite your friends over. I've got this." Oh, so Sammy no. gets to have some friends over. One of the repairs that they did on the house was they put a hot tub in. Odd. Yeah. Odd that they get any type of pleasure. Parent, well, I don't know how much the kids... Re- Sammy got to use it with her friends, but the rest was just for Shelly and her O. Henry bars. <laughs> Sammy and the girls are in the hot tub. And Shelly comes out and draws attention to this burnt corner of the hot tub and was like, You guys, I was sitting in this the other morning and it caught on fire. And wouldn't you know it, I was naked and I had to go running across the yard. I was terrified because it started on fire. That's wow, how she covered that was the up story. Kathy being naked. She was like, oh, that wasn't, that was me. I was Sammy's mom running naked Were in the, the yard because like, yeah. I was scared for my life. Okay. Right. I don't, I don't know. I mean, they're kids. Like, I hate to say it, but sometimes they will believe anything adults say. They will. So th- it probably terrible. wasn't questioned, and right. I'm and, assuming and Kathy burnt- was hidden. Yes. Oh, yeah. Kathy was Nowhere in the to pump house. Yeah. Um, and she burned the side of her own hot tub. This move woman. on with this story. All right. Now we move to the, the part where Kathy's now permanently living in the pump house. She needs medical attention at this time. She has no hair. She was pale, bleeding, battered, dirty. Oh, my 
and gosh. just wearing a tattered muumu. That's it. Shane was in charge of Kathy whenever Shelly was gone because she knew Kathy was scared of Shane. And Shane got to the point where he was like, enough is enough. And he goes to the pump house and he opens the door and he's like, Kathy, go leave. You've got to get out of here. She's going to kill you if you don't get out of here. Kathy wouldn't move. She thought it was a trick. Oh, poor thing. Because how many times, and you never know how many times has, I mean, has she tried to trick, right. you know, test her or something like that. Is she so, lurking around in the woods? Yep. Is she waiting? Yep. That's exactly what it. she was scared of. All of a sudden, the kids start paying attention to what she's saying, and she's wanting Halidol. Okay. In, yeah. In, like, big supply. And they're like, why is she wanting Halidol? Uh-huh. Well... Well, they never really did figure out other than they are now suspect that possibly she was poisoning Kathy with it. Uh, yeah. One of the many drugs that she was yeah. giving Kathy. Yeah. One day, Dave decides, he's like, listen, Kathy is uh, in a bad, bad way. Let's just drive her upstate, drop her off, and uh, like abandon her on the side of the road. Like he realized that she was going to die. I think so. And he's just like, Shelly, this is bad. Let's just go drop her off. And she's like, no, no, she's the, she's getting better. It's fine. Well, then shortly after that, Kathy is in, is, Kathy poops in a Tupperware. Okay. Shelly's punishment for her pooping. Now, keep in mind, she is still controlling her bathroom privileges. Uh-huh. Okay. Even in the pump house. I mean, she gave her a bucket, but. Where'd she get the Tupperware? I d- I'm not sure because remember the time frames for the kids' minds that are telling this story are choppy. Mm-hmm. So she, this was in the Tupperware was found in the kitchen that she, and the she Tupperware of poop. Yep. So go Kathy. Right. Well, I think that in her mind, it was just better than just doing it right on the floor. I mean, you can't stop your body. Probably like I have to take a shit. Yeah. Yeah. People. Right. So she finds it. And this was what she de- decided as her punishment. She told Dave to build something to waterboard her with. Oh no. Which if you don't know, is like this contraption where it's picture a teeter-totter, and she's taped to it, okay, naked. And this poor woman. They would have a bucket of water at the end of the teeter-totter where Kathy's head was, and they would just pick it up and then put her down and sink her head into the bucket of water and then tip it back up. Shane was made to help with this. So it was Shane, Dave, and and Shelly waterboarding Kathy. She was screaming, begging, asking for them to stop, and and she didn't. It went on for quite some time. The girls remember that, but the contraption, that's the only time that it ever happened, and the contraption was never to be seen again. They burned it. Oh, my gosh. I, I always, like, every time Shane is mentioned, I just, my heart breaks for him. He thought he was coming to live with this family. That would be yep. better. And, right. And now he's know. being forced to take part in abusing he, a woman yes. and he's getting abused himself. Yes. The kids were never waterboard. This was the only time this was this contraption was just built for Kathy. They just did it to her when she was in a very bad deteriorated state. She's only giving her a smoothie of rotten food, <sighs> which I can't remember if I've said yet or not. Maybe but. edit this part out, but I do just have to say it. Like if I was Kathy, I would have went balls to the wall and rubbed that shit all over the mm-hmm. place. And kitchen just, counter. Right, here's my shit. Fridge. I'm going to get punished anyway. But go I don't think that she home. felt like she was doing I you know, think she felt like she was doing the best she could. Like here's a Tupperware. Oh. Like I'm not taking it on the floor. I have yeah. to go and I'm going to just put it in this in little this little container. container. The other thing she made her eat was an entire bowl of salt because her feet were swollen. Oh my gosh. And she so forced more salt. Her, yeah. 
Great job, Shelly. Tell me more about how you're a medical expert and that you thought sodium was going to help someone's swollen, swollen feet. Her, at this point, her breathing is labored. She's weak. The kids know she needs medical attention. Now she's even too weak to walk. No Shelly instructed the kids. She was, she was in a good mood in one of her upper mood swings, was in a good mood, told them, carry her to the bath. We're going to give her a bath. As they were carrying her, she slipped and the shower glass door broke and cut her up really bad. <gasps> so now she has cuts on her abdomen and legs. Oh, my gosh. And they didn't, of course, get medical treatment. They needed medical treatment. But they just dressed her wounds. They gave her a bath. They dressed her wounds. Shelly did. And now she's in the laundry room. Sammy had actually nailed a board to help Kathy pull herself up from her cot in the laundry room. Shelly took it down and told her, you're enabling her, Sammy. She has to get stronger on her own. And she had, Sammy had put that there so that she could try to sit up herself. She's so weak that this woman can't even sit up on her own. Kathy is, and this is a quote from the book, Kathy is lazy and needs to get stronger. You are enabling her, Sammy. You want her to get better, right? End quote. I can't even. Then one day, shortly after this, Sammy goes in to check on her. And all Shelly is doing is gurgling in response. July 1994, that's when this was, Dave comes home from his five-hour commute. He knew the injury to Kathy from the glass cutting was the kid's fault because Shelly had already told him on a phone call earlier oh, that of week. of course, <laughs> yeah. So he walks in and he hears an animal-like noise coming from the laundry room. He asks Shelly about it. Oh, it's Kathy. She's fine. She's resting. Dave's like, she doesn't sound fine. The side of her face was drooped. It was bruised horribly. She couldn't follow or track his finger. And Dave is freaking out at Shelly. And Shelly's like, she's getting better. It's fine, Dave. Oh, my gosh. At this point, Shelly took Sammy in the car and Tori uh, to go with her while she picked Nikki up from her job as a waitress. Nikki had a waitressing job. She didn't get to keep any of her money, but Nikki had a waitressing job. Of course. When she left, Dave went to Kathy to figure out what the noise was that she was making. Well, she had vomited, and the sound was her choking on it. The laundry room smelled horrible, like rotting human and vomit, and he called out for Shane. Shane's like, what's the matter with her? Dave said, I don't, I don't know. It's like, she vomited. She's not breathing, Shane. You know, Dave turned her gently on her side and tried to use his fingers to get the vomit out. Then he tried CPR, but it was useless. Kathy was no longer breathing. She had asphyxiated on her own vomit, and she was gone. Poor Kathy. Dave recalls later that he knows he should have called 911, but he knew if he did, their family would be tore apart, and he didn't want Shelly in trouble or all the trauma. Oh, how nice of you, Dave. Mm -hmm. Save the family from the trauma. How ironic. He's such a family man. Go back to your tent, sir. For sure. You are useless. Yeah. He called the Sea Star restaurant trying to get a hold of Shelly, but Nikki had just been picked up by her. So they tried to hide Sammy and Nikki and, and Tori from Sh- Kathy's body at first, but Dave told Shelly to go, to go look and that Kathy was dead. Shelly acted totally perplexed, like she had no idea how this could have happened. Like, what? what? How? how? She was this in, coming. She was in such great health. How? So Shane was like... We need to call an ambulance. And Shelly said, no, there's no point. She's already dead. So the house goes into complete turmoil. Shelly insists on taking the girls away. She was being really sweet to them, and she took them to a hotel in West Point. 
She even gave them money for snacks and let them swim. And at this point, the girls are like, um, what is happening? Yeah. Dave, Dave and Shane stay behind for a while, but they joined them in the hotel around midnight. And that is where I'm going to leave you for this episode. You can't leave me here. I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to have to. Our Patreons get the full story right away, but everyone else, you're going to have to wait for Thursday's release. Dun, dun, dun. So we hope that you have enjoyed this very long, deep, deep dive into this family. We need the... And just so you know, there are three more victims that we bring up in part two. There's three more? There are three more. Part The next episode will also probably be a two-hour episode. You're getting lots and lots of more content to come. Sorry to leave you hanging like this, but here we are. We're leaving where Dave and Shane are staying behind. The girls are at a hotel, and Kathy, unfortunately, has passed away. Until next time. We'll, uh, oh, I, I, should I do a brain bath? Oh. I feel like it's wrong to do a brain bath. Maybe at the, just like the whole end. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna save the brain bath for the whole end. So okay. stay strong, guys. Have a good work week. We'll have week. a good one. We'll get a, a doozy. Yep. We'll see you on Thursday. Thanks for listening. Bye. Keep it curious. Bye-bye. <laughs>